Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step All righty, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Hope you all are doing well. As you can see, Anthony, excuse me, Gatto is not here because he's currently being tried at The Hague. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for sharing his Netflix password with a war criminal. Um, instead, what we have here is we have our friends from the uh, Friends in Low Expectations podcast. They are a fantasy football podcast, and we are going to talk a little fantasy football before the season starts. Um, I'm going to just kick you all off. Um, Philly, Keith, Friday, why don't you all introduce yourselves in that order? Philly, longtime listener. Multi-guest, multi-time guest, recurring guest, uh, lover of war crimes. So I guess, I guess soft spot in my heart for Gatto, you know? Yeah, that's, that's recorded now, by the way. <laughs> Put it on record. My FBI agent already knows. Yeah, this, this, uh, this trial is going to be pretty epic here in a few years. <laughs> I guess, is that, is that me now? That is you. <laughs> uh, Keith, long-time listener, first-time guest. Um, avid sports fan. I don't, I don't, I, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's really all you got to know. I just, I talk sports and music and movies. That's about it. But yeah. Yeah. My name's Friday or the commission, as you might reference me on friends and low expectations. I'm a short time listener, big fan of Tom and, uh, I'm enrolled in his, his courses. He's been charging me about a dollar a course right now and I am just thriving. So Tom, Thank you for having me, Q. Pleasure to be here. How many courses have you taken? Well, how many have you taken? This isn't about me, okay? You brought up your courses. I've got at least three. So oh, okay. Um, but his rates are going up. He just got retweeted by someone pretty famous on Twitter. So we'll see. Yo, if who I do I need to talk to about these courses? I feel like yeah. I could use some of this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, guys. Yesterday's price is not today's price. So it's <laughs> um, the big going with- on. <laughs> Things might get a little bit more complicated for you over there, but um, if you have any bored ape NFTs just laying around, I'd be happy to take those JPEGs off your hands if you need them. Um, but I wanted to get us kicked off today with just a kind of a little bit of an icebreaker conversation and diving into television. Um, a lot of new shows that are coming out, a lot of shows that have left Succession, Barry, several others, but... The question is, what is a show that you have seen that the first season was fantastic? Or, I'm sorry, what is the show that you have seen that it was fantastic the first time around that you watched it, and then you watch it a second time around, and it did not hit the same way, or it did not age well? So, um, Friday, I want to start with you, and we can kind of just go around the horn to whoever has the next idea. Sure. I think that's a, that's a great question. I've been watching 
Uh, I watch a lot of TV, um, as it seems like a lot of people on the pod do. Um, I've been tracking, I've started recently tracking all the TV shows that I've watched in a, in a called TV Time, just a quick plug. Uh, but uh, so I think the one I was going through my list and looking through shows that I'd watched recently and then rewatched or, uh, you know, watched a long time ago and coming back. And we kind of, we I think you probably brought it up when we were kind of backstage um but the one that i want specifically i think that that was really really good and kind of enthralled the world at the time and then i rewatched it probably a few months ago now was heroes and i think heroes is one of the ones that at the time people were like this is like the future of television um you know it was it was really good for for its time and then uh as i rewatched it i was like man this was this was not what i remember it being um so that was one that I kind of that came kind of came to mind when I'm thinking of shows like that. And the other one, uh, the only other one that I could think of, and uh, was Chuck. If any of you watched Chuck back in the day, yeah, Zachary Levi did not age well no. as a <laughs> as a human. So no, no. So it, it, I mean, it was it was you know good when I was in high school and uh, kind of rewatching it recently. I was like, man, another one that I was just like, this is just weird now. So I mean. Had a pretty good cast, but at the end of the day, uh, I think those are the two that come to mind when I'm thinking through some of these shows that they were like pretty good first time around, and then a little different when uh, when you go back and rewatch them maybe as an adult. Okay, so what was the issue with those shows? Do they just they didn't hit the same way anymore? Right. I mean, part of that too. I mean, I'm also uh, a film major too, uh, coming into this, oh. so like watching watching heroes for the first time. I mean, you know, it's early 2000s. So you, you, you work with what the technology is at the time, but uh, even just the production quality was just kind of like, ah, oh. so this is what we were limited to back in, you know, 2003, 2004, uh, whatever the range of, for heroes was for that. And I think for Chuck anyways, it was just kind of like how the story was told. Um, and uh, again, it was just kind of like bizarre. I mean, again, I think it was just part of the thing that was the, the type of show to make for the time but it was just uh just shows that i you know went back and it just uh was something that i used to enjoy watching on a weekly basis and then it was just like i got into it and i was like i can't watch another episode yeah there's you know we're we're living in in a really really crazy time of you know tv shows and what the amount of money that they're pumping in to make these not even like shows anymore they're really productions uh so it's just uh it's a little bit different when you can, you know, do things with money, but uh, also just kind of the the story that is told in those and where they went with it too. Yeah. I always wonder too, is it the nostalgia that kind of takes over and then fucks us all over in the end? You do realize though with heroes that Zachary Quinto just kind of carried that show for a while there. And then yeah. also I think uh, hero was the only other one that really made the show worth watching. So those are kind yeah. of the two pieces that I kind of went back to. I was like, those are the two characters that kind of kept me invested. But other than that, I was like, I could, I could do without it. That's a, you know, four seasons. Uh, I could, I could get back and invest somewhere else. Gotcha. Good to know. Keith, what you got? Yeah. I, I, I was, I've been batting around. So when I, when I first started thinking about this, I started thinking about shows that like were really good to start that like pulled you in and then kind of fell off. And we kind of talked about that backstage a little bit, like, the second season just lost you. And so that made me think of like 
Um, that made me think of shows that like relevant today because of the writer's strike, but like prison break and lost where mm. like, they just got absolutely derailed because of the writer's strike back in 07, 08. Um, and they were just like really good, but I was like, Oh, that's just kind of unfair. Cause those were like, they were doomed as soon as the writer's strike happened. So the, the two shows that I landed on, they're both comedies they are both very different types of comedies. But, um, I said that you were really, really going to like my, my pick or not. Um, was The Office. I, I cannot watch The Office uh, anymore. Like, and I remember being sucked in when it first came out. Like, my family, we sat down, we watched every episode, and I go watch it now, and I'm just like, this is this is awful. It's not funny. Maybe like just the the cringe comedy just doesn't do it for me anymore, like it did when I was a kid. Um, the other one, another like really favorite comedy that everyone liked and everyone was sad and i remember i was sad when it ended but scrubs yeah like, i really enjoyed scrubs and i just like i'm just like i i can't put it on now i can't just like go watch it and kill some time so now um, are you talking about the last season of scrubs when they're at the university or just like the last like the total show in in totality as a whole as a whole okay. yeah like i just i can't i can't go back and watch it anymore i'm not invested anymore i don't know what it is the comedy, like, unlike The Office, it's not like the comedy doesn't hold up. It's just like, I'm like, I just don't care about the show anymore. But yeah, the, the Office was my first pick that I was just like, I just cannot watch this show anymore. The comedy doesn't do it for me. Um, and also, like, kind of contradictory to my initial train of thought. Like, after Steve Carell left, they were just kind of like, they had, they wanted to keep going, but it was just like, he was kind of the glue that held the show together. And they just, they were on a revolving door there looking for their new manager. They had, I know they had like Will Ferrell on for a couple episodes. They brought Ricky Gervais in for a little bit. I loved David's, David. Uh, was it uh, James, James Spader. Spader as Robert yeah. California, though? I will say yeah. I did his performance. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I it's interesting that you say, like, you think that the comedy didn't hold up because I think it gets better. Like, I think it's just as, re- like, the jokes they're making are just as relevant now as they were back then, maybe even in some ways more so. Particularly Michael Scott as a character is like, like he's like a Republican uh, latch on of like this is they're trying to cancel Michael Scott like they're tr- like they're trying to cancel us, which I think just speaks to the fact that it's like talking to um, what's happening. But I think it gets funnier with every watch. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I don't think it's I don't it's not the jokes. I don't think it's the jokes. Like there are some episodes that I can still watch the sexual harassment episode. Like it's it's funny. Like I know I'll be like 80 years old. I'll still be laughing at that episode. I'll just have that like childlike sense of humor with that's what she said. But um, it's not really the jokes that don't hold up. I think it's just the the delivery of the comedy that that, that cringe like oh no this is so dumb. But you're laughing at it. I think that's just what I outgrew. I don't know. Oh, well, he's got an evolved taste now. No, because I mean there are other cringe things that I I watch. I'm like God, that's that's terrible, but it's making me laugh. <laughs> I will I say exclusively you can... watch cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I know people that love The Office and will swear by it, and then there's other folks that are like, it doesn't do anything for me. So yeah. I I think that there's more people that are vocal how much they love it than have watched it and are like, meh. Because I've watched The Office and I was like, some of this is funny. The rest of it is like, okay, we can skip a couple episodes ahead. So I can definitely relate to where you're coming from in that. I also have a thing and I, I I also have a thing about like when people say, Oh, you have to make it through the first season. I was like, no, no. If I have to, if I have to drudge through the first season, then it's just not that great of a show. 
And that's what everyone says about the office. Like, oh, make it past the first season. And I'm like, no, if it doesn't pull me in in the first season, I'm not going to continue watching. Breaking Bad didn't pull me in the first season, like the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of grew, grew on me because like it, it was kind of developing a story. So I think there are exceptions to that rule. But I, I do agree with that 90 percent of the time. I, I, I don't disagree with that one either, because that's an example of one that like definitely was slow to start. And I'm like, I love Breaking Bad. So, yeah, slow burn, slow burn shows take obviously they take a little while, but you shouldn't have that with a comedy. You shouldn't have that with something that's supposed to be light and every episode is unique Instead, like, you shouldn't have to force your way through 25 episodes versus, like, I need to get through the first three of Breaking Bad where the story is being developed and the characters are being grown. Michael Scott is the same person in season one as he was in season six. So, a goofus. Yeah. I think Sopranos is another good uh, example of that. It's like a really slow burn to start. The acting is also awful in the first season of Sopranos, but then it gets not great. It gets just like really good. Like everyone is trying way too hard to be Italian, and then it just gets really good at the towards the end of the series. So those are yeah. contradictions, but I, I still stand by it. I'm I can't I can't do The Office anymore. Ooh, yikes! Q, what you got? This also might be controversial because I was kind of thinking of some couple things. So obviously I came up with Dexter and I feel like Dexter is kind of one of those shows that I've gone back to and I couldn't get past the first season. Um, it was a show that I really love. Anybody who's ever watched the show, that season with John Lithgow is like one of the best seasons of television ever. Yeah. Um, and it just completely died after that. Arguably the worst series finale I've ever seen of any show. They did the revival season. Not good. Um, still left a bad taste in my mouth, but I thought of a better one, honestly, and it's The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Because to me, The Walking Dead, the first season, had, like, such opportunities, like, thinking of, like, a cityscape, you know, zombie zombie show that, like, on a week-to-week, you know, survival, but then they go to a fucking farm in season two, and it just kind of stays isolated in a small town the rest of the way. I have not i've not finished the show um so i can't speak to the later seasons i tapped out after the pet tiger now yes there is somebody with a fucking pet tiger on that show and i was like no this is it i was already kind of like out and that kind of just hit me over so maybe it gets better i don't know but it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> okay that's an example of a show so. that probably went on like six seasons too long and, and now they're doing this, like other fucking shows. shows that no yeah. one watches. Like, yeah. who is who, where is the market for this? I mean, The Last of Us is a little bit different because it's a it has a video game base that they were able to bring in. They also did a really good job of recreating that show. But like, The Walking Dead is just the, not as many zombie shootings as I was really hoping for. <laughs> Like, we're dead zombies. <laughs> I'm watching a zombie movie or a zombie show. I'm expecting zombies to be killed. Like, that's kind of the baseline there. Walking Dead just kind of like there was a whole phase of like pop culture where zombie shows was the thing. And then all the other zombie shows kind of got the hint that society has moved past zombie shows. Mm-hmm. But uh, Walking Dead just kind of leaned into it even further. And now they have like. There was like, what was the other one? Fear the Walking Dead was the one yeah. based on the West Coast. And now there's a whole other spinoff as well. So, you know, they're and, they're still leaning into that. Not to mention that they had fucking Frank Darabont as the showrunner for the first season. And then just like, ex- like pretty much like 
I don't know, fired him or he walked away. And it's like, I just, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, we don't need you anymore. We think we got this one covered. <laughs> we can do this. Yeah, I think we've got the plot kind of figured out now. We can take care of this. <laughs> so stupid. Philly, what you got? <clears throat> well, I had The Walking Dead, so <laughs> thanks, Q. Um, <laughs> the good thing is I'm really good at fucking myself, so I'll just go do that now. <laughs> um, Be better uh, next time. Be first. How about that? <laughs> If you ain't so, first or last, Philly. <laughs> I'm going to go with one. It's a little bit kind of off script. It's not a show that I necessarily think would be bad watching a second time. Tom and I talked about this this weekend. But it's a show that I don't think would hit the same. Uh, and that is Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is one of my top three favorite shows of all time. Um, a lot of hot part, takes on this show. <laughs> but part of the appeal of that of watching that, especially watching it live, was like not knowing what was going to happen next. Was he going to was he going to live? Was he going to die? Was he going to make this money? Was he going to have a family? Was he not going to have a, like was he going to stop doing dealing drugs? Was he going to like you didn't you didn't know what was going to happen and the final season was the best season of television in my opinion that's ever existed. So I think going back there, I would have such high expectations for it that I don't know. I haven't rewatched it. So I, this is coming from a place of not having rewatched it, but I don't know if it would live up to what I've made it in my head so it's kind of for me it's like i don't want to ruin that experience for myself and then like rewatch it and be like eh, it wasn't as good as i remember i just want to remember it as being amazing and just leave it at that hmm. so that's it's not really like i think it would be bad i think it would still be a great television show i just feel like i'm down to be let down a little bit. i mean same, similar to how like i think the last episode of the last season of game of thrones ruined game of thrones for everybody it's because everyone had such high expectations going into it that you're bound to be let down. There was too many open storylines that was gonna, um, that that weren't you weren't able to, to button up and make them look nice, and you were bound to be disappointed. And that's kind of a little bit how I feel about about Breaking Bad. I think I think there's something to be said for that, but because I, I was thinking the same thing, but I think the same thing could be said for just about any like drama suspense thrillers. It's like once you know all the twists, then it's like okay, well, yeah. You know, like the joy is not knowing. And so like I rewatched The Wire, which is one of my all time favorite shows. And it's like, okay, I already know what's going to happen. So it's not that the show isn't good anymore. It's just like, I don't have that same sense of like, ooh, what's next, you know? Right. Yeah, you're watching and it I think, for I think that's just the now. difficult thing about like rewatchable shows when you're talking about dramas or suspense thrillers. It's just like, that's a, that's once you know great, what's coming, it's just not there anymore. Right. That's a great point. Cause I think like a lot of the more exclusively rewatchable shows are more comedies. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Cause like the same comedic beats can kind of still make you laugh regardless. But like, yeah, once you kind of understand twists and turns, it does lose a little bit of its edge. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of these, like um, these Netflix shows, especially ones that have popped up in the past four or five years, like really in the height of streaming that are made to, to binge over a weekend and you know there's some shows that like guilty pleasure of mine is outer banks i love watching outer banks but i don't want to rewatch outer banks i guess want to watch the new season and see what happens and then like kind of live in this like dumb world for like, like this like dumb world for like the 10 hours or so it takes me to watch the season and then be like all right that was cool i don't care about this anymore um it's so, like i wouldn't go back and watch or like squid game is another one that, like i don't know that i would would it was awesome to watch it in the moment as part of like that pop culture phenomenon, but I wouldn't necessarily go. I would be like, "Yeah, hey, let's watch. We got a good game. That sounds good." Yeah, I watch the second season when it comes out, but I'm not going to rewatch the original season. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, putting hostile on, like, in the background <laughs> while you're folding clothes. You don't do that? <laughs> no, you I are did. I a did confirmed say- psychopath. I do. Exclu- I, I just listen I do to the audio with with headphones on when I go to sleep. That's your. I just do exclusively right psychopath killer slasher films when I'm getting meaningless tasks done around my house. <laughs> hey, you know my, go, my uh, go-to is Human Centipede. You know, just throw that bad boy on. <laughs> you know, you're just mopping your floors with somebody getting like a drill gun going through their kneecap, and <laughs> two o'clock on a Thursday. You know, I'm just doing this during my lunch break. Um, all good choices from everybody here, but I don't under I don't see how we can have a list here without including House of Cards in this. Mm. Mm. And frankly, no pun intended, um, <laughs> I can't watch that show knowing what I know now about Kevin Spacey yeah. and how he was just an absolute sexual predator. I was going to say, is it a Kevin Spacey thing or is it a <laughs> yeah. story thing? Because like that, that's all fair, you know. I'm not going to admit you got to give so much. Uh, appreciation like to Kevin Spacey because his performance is so good that you can't watch it because you're like I don't want to I can't give this guy his flowers because he's a terrible human being so like there's like no moral ambiguity if you just don't watch it you're just like yeah I don't have to feel good or bad about his amazing performance it's I a lot just... like R. Kelly it's like you oh, know yeah. he's terrible but Ignition Remix is a great song but like I can't <laughs> listen to it anymore it's just like those are the rules you know I can't support this guy because you're just such a degenerate human being Tom, how do you feel about his YouTube videos where he just pretends to be Frank Underwood and like they are so weird? They are so. You know who he gives off? He gives off Papa John's vibes. I was just thinking (laughs) John Snatter vibes. Yeah, the day of reckoning. Forty pizzas in thirty days. (laughs) Just like sweating grease. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, when I when I had that question come through my mind, I was like, House of Cards has to be the first one. But I will also say too, I tried rewatching that even before all that stuff came out about him. And there are a couple seasons in there that it's just a absolute slog. It's, it's a hard, hard killing look. Off, on killing off the Kate Mara character was such a dumb decision. It was, yeah, it, it really it changed no the dynamic sense. of the show. Yeah. That, that show was one of the few shows that I got, I got like massive anxiety watching that yeah. show. That one was one and I was just like stressed watching it and I like couldn't watch it at night type deal. I was just like, you know, sweating. The other one I got a lot of like anxiety. I, I, I don't typically get anxiety watching shows, but watching Fargo, um, mm, like season that. one and see, oh, I, I, I couldn't see with, uh, with Billy Bob. Season right? one, yeah. yeah, that's a good season. One was great. And then I started watching season two and I was like, like I'm like having to fast forward through the through the episode, so I'm not like anxious watching. And it was it was one of those ones that it was it was really really good. But I was just like I don't know if I can physically put myself through watching a show like that again. Friday, do you normally get anxious about politicians hiding in your bedroom? Is that a thing for you? <laughs> I live in South Carolina. Oh, so that's a yes. So yes. So yes. So very much so. I'm gonna also highly plausible. I'm going to wake yes. up and Lindsey Graham is going to be staring at me. Each house Ooh. comes with its own senator to sit in your closet. Yeah. <laughs> that or the, the Republican governor who like, wants to hunt Democrats like dogs. You know, it's, it's, it's a great time to live in South Carolina. We love it. Also, here. Nasty Nate, don't put that evil on us. Okay. <laughs> What Just be thankful we not uh, Q. I, I don't actually know where you live, but I'm, I'm assuming you don't live in Kentucky. I mean, that would just be a nightmare situation to have the risk of Mitch McConnell. No, I'm 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 a Long Island. Uh, Tom's uh, okay. So you're 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 safe. You're safe yeah. from Mitch McConnell. for for now. <laughs> How He's long safe. is the island? Uh, not as long as you'd think. 
But uh, did you guys see the Rick Scott, uh, like, <laughs> the warning to for socialists and communists to stay? We have a couple Floridians on this, too. He's running so, as the Democratic like, nominee. Like, Rick Scott? That, yeah. He's, yeah, he's trying running, to. He's running against DeSantis. That's incredible. That, he's that trying is... to. He's saying, hey, I, I know like half of the, the Democrats are like, could consider themselves to be somewhat socialist. Uh, get out or we're going to kill you. you. You're trying to win the election. That's, right? that's the wild thing about Florida is like, <laughs> even a lot of the Democrats are pretty darn conservative. Yeah. So he's going to get a good section of right. Democrats that are like, yeah, communists, go home. I feel like Luke is dead here, my brother. I feel like that character and uh, was it Godzilla with the first King Kong or whatever? He's like, let them fight. Just let them fight. <laughs> yeah, like, let him, like let half of Florida it. Democrats are like folks that would would like go to a pride parade and like wear a rainbow flag around their neck, but then like the second a like, gay person touched them, they're like, whoa, hey buddy, don't get any ideas here. <laughs> like that's a that's a Florida Democrat. Yeah, like Florida Democrats would absolutely not get vaccinated, but if you made a gay vaccine, they would get that. <laughs> like that's, that's right into that's, their eyeballs. That's Florida Democrats for you, right there. <laughs> well, oh. what a show already. <laughs> we've got politics out of the way. We've got television. <laughs> we've been hating on Netflix the whole time. Um, let's see if that, we can like hit for the cycle, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's get into the NFL then and talk about their question. Speaking of hitting. Things. <laughs> so you guys run a fantasy football show. Before we get started um, into the fantasy side of things, how did this show come about? Talk to us about that. That's a great question. Um, I guess I can probably give some of the historical context here. So, In the started, beginning, there was heaven and the earth. Yeah, and then there was Tyler Kiefer. And then um, God made football. Right. <laughs> um, but we, we started about, this is year five? Year five now. Yeah, we're going um, into year five. Year five. So I guess four years ago, it was kind of at a, I was at a point um, with kind of my fantasy leagues where I really wanted to put together a league that was really, that was more, more serious. And I had, I'd been playing in a league that was probably going on 12 years and I kind of dissolved and I kind of wanted to recreate something like that. And I wanted to get to group, get together a group of people who were going to take it serious. I was tired of playing in leagues that I uh, really weren't uh, serious or people would, you know, quit setting their lineup halfway through the year. And so I, I started texting, putting some feelers out, got a group together. Um, and uh, we, you know, we've had a pretty, pretty solid group now for uh, four years. We've only replaced a handful of people. But with that, kind of early on, some of our guys in the league started to, wanted to get a little creative with it. So we had a guy starting to put together like a weekly newsletter for awards, you know, the dud of the week, you know, the star of the week, whatever. Um, and that was, that was kind of the onset uh, with that and that and we had power rankings people starting to put together you know comparisons if league members were power rankings and what you know what fantasy movie they were what star wars movie and uh, it kind of grew from there and me and keith had thrown around the idea of actually doing a podcast uh, about it and uh, kind of just focusing on it was going to be by the league for the league basically and uh, so we we started out and uh, we started putting together putting together some content and it, uh, it really, uh, we did about two episodes, maybe three at two episodes. Um, we started off and, uh, it really took off at least with the guys. And that was the most important part for us, right? We wanted to make the, the podcast for the guys and, uh, it really took off from there. Um, Philly was our, 
think you were our first guest, right, Philly? I'm I'm fairly certain you were our first guest on the show. And he was our first guest, y'all and then we immediately podcast. added him. Yeah, y- y'all did a podcast, and then like the first one, you dropped it, and I was like, shit, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. So I was like, hey, do y'all need a producer? And you're like, well, just come on and be a guest, and then we're here. It's yeah, kind of evolved, and uh, we've kind of we've kind of grown. I mean, obviously, we've we've made close to over 40 episodes now, which is, I mean, we were, we do one a week during, during the season. And then uh, during the off season, we try to do one about one a month. So we don't get burned out. Cause it's uh it's, I'm sure you guys know, you guys do this pretty regularly too, but it's a lot of work putting in, uh, putting all the content together and outlines and getting, you know, guests prepared. Uh, so, but uh, it's, it's really grown up, really blown up. Uh, we've obviously 40 episodes we've had, you know, over a thousand plays, which is pretty big, uh, considering like we're making this about 10 guys in a fantasy football league that <laughs> literally only we care about. So, uh, it's kind of cool and that we're seeing people that, you know, are starting to, you know, kind of buy into what we're doing and what we're selling. And, uh, we've tried to make it a little bit broader. And, uh, cause like when I say the name Philly, people really don't know who Philly is. And so we've tried to make it so that people can, go back and listen to or we do player profiles and so people know who when we're talking about people in the league or who their their villain arc is or who their character type is right they can connect to those type of people and kind of buy into the the content that we're creating and we've kind of grown and expanded on what we're putting out into uh the friends and low expectations uh podcast but that's kind of like the overall history of our of our how we where we started and kind of where we got to now and obviously things have just kind of grown exponentially but it's been a, it's been quite the, quite the, uh, quite the rise that we've had in, in our, in our, in our football league. Awesome. That's always cool to hear. Um, kind of like a friends group that kind of just expands out and now you have a show and I'm hoping that having that show creates a little bit more energy around the season where folks are a little bit more committed because nobody wants to be put on blast for all to hear. It's one thing if it's in a text message or a discord, like, Hey, fuck face. You didn't put your lineup in. It's another thing when you're like broadcasting that shit on a Tuesday night, like, yeah, this person didn't, he's got three people on the IR and starting lineup and like another guy on by, how has this person made it this long in life? Yeah. We think it's super cool though, because it's, it's kind of, like I said, it started with what we're doing and really people have like, they've seen what we've done in the league and they want to do their own thing, like their own type of uh, content that they want to create. We had a, one of our guys, Fred, uh, he was making like weekly roast YouTube videos where he was, I mean, he, he works in TV, but uh, he was literally making like five minute edited videos of like, I mean, it was like jib jab type stuff of like him just absolutely roasting whoever he beat that week or for whatever reason. Right. So, but it's like everyone is wants to be involved and everyone wants to create their own content because people are having fun with it. And I think that's the most important part. It makes, it makes us more invested too. Um, we have a great community and that, that plays a part of it. Awesome. Well, on that note, how do you guys feel about this upcoming year? I don't know. So Keith today uh, just slipped a little trade in. It's, yeah. uh, it's For the record, Crazy. it's not even July 1st yet. And um, well, okay. Let, let me before before Philly goes out airing all my dirty laundry. I finished last place this year. I'll just steer into that skid. <laughs> um, a big part of that is my roster wasn't very good. I made um, a very bold, ballsy trade early in the year 
Um, Which did not work that out. That did well not him. pan out. The trade well, was Christian well, we got. McCaffrey for Najee Harris and Gabe Davis. I liked um, it, actually. I was Try to put yourself very early in the year. Um, you've got CMC coming off an injury-riddled season. Um, Gabe Davis had that explosive game in the playoffs. Um, and Najee Harris was, you know, a solid rookie. So I'm like, I was high on Gabe Davis. Um, and so I was like, okay. I think I also threw Cam Akers in there. But Cam Akers, I didn't didn't care a shit about him at all. Um, I actually only took he Cam didn't Akers. Either, don't worry. I, I only <laughs> took Cam Akers because Philly grabbed Travis Etienne. And that's who I wanted um, with my pick there. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and still take a running back. So essentially it was CMC for Gabe Davis and Najee Harris. And it just didn't work out. I was banking on CMC probably getting hurt. I was banking on Gabe Davis, you know, having a bit of a better year. Um, and I was banking on Najee just, you know, being at least as good as his rookie year. Maybe not better, but, you know, whatever. Um, that backfired. But then Keenan Allen, like, stubbed his toe and missed, like, 12 weeks, um, you know, with and with a hamstring injury. Um, and th- the rest of the season just d- didn't go well. And so the trade um, that I recently accepted today was for a keeper. I got, I offered um, my second round pick for CD lamb and a fourth. So Mm. I send out the second round pick. um, I get back CD who will end up being my keeper if it goes through, which I think right now there's like five yeses on it. So it should. Um, And then I'll get back a fourth. And so I'll end up keeping CD. Um, My other keeper option would have been Keenan Allen, which, if I really wanted to take a chance on him again, he'll probably be there in, in the third round if I wanted him. But um, I don't know that that little dainty hamstring of his. I don't think I can trust that anymore. So that's, they, just, uh, they just drafted Quentin Johnston too. In the first yeah, round, so. yeah, exactly. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, but yeah, so that that's the trade. Um, that's the context going into this season. So I need I need to be a little bold to try to make up some ground. Um, I need something better than Keenan Allen as a keeper. Are you at all worried? with that trade going through? Because it's good value. I mean, you're ultimately doing a swap, a two for four. You're getting CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver one. Are you at all concerned now, though, that it's Brian Schottenheimer at offensive coordinator, heavy run first. Mike McCarthy's already talked about running the ball a lot. Not that he's going to have a bad season because he's CeeDee Lamb. He's a, mm. he's a wide receiver one. Easy. But it might not be the season you're hoping for. A little so the initial trade offer was um cd for my second straight up and i was like well i don't want to give up a pick and give you an extra pick so i was like let yeah. me see if i can squeeze another pick out of there and uh i offered i offered to take back his number four pick and he was like yeah sure um so i think the offense is i think the offense is going to change i think tony pollard emerging certainly um goes a long way for the cowboys um, we'll see what happens there, but I think you know CD being clear wide receiver one there, he's going to get his targets too. Yeah, adding Brandon Cooks is a little bit, a little bit of a wrinkle, but he's going to get his targets. He's you know going to give me twelve hundred plus yards, eight plus touchdowns. So I think overall, uh, I'd feel less good about it if I didn't get another pick back in return and just had to straight up give up a second. But mm. yeah, getting another pick back in the fourth, um, you can still get you know a quality starter caliber player there. So I feel good about it. To be fair, it's going to be hard for Keith to do worse than he did last year. So. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, what was your overall record last year? <laughs> was it like three and nine, something like that? Four and eight? Let's see. Uh, I didn't have the worst record in the league. I just lost our toilet bowl. You're four and eight. 
Yeah. So what was his points for though? Look, it, it was them. it was bad. It was probably I was probably worse than the league. I'd have to guess. Yeah, you were um, you were you were last. So yeah. uh, you had one thousand two hundred and seventy nine points for, or one thousand two hundred eighty points for. Um, you were last. Second to last was one thousand three hundred and fourteen. So um, a 30, 31, 32 point uh, difference between you and which I mean, hey, if if Keenan Allen has a normal hamstring injury that keeps him out, you know, three, four weeks, um, you know, who knows? What I'm not going to talk about is the guy that finished last. Just not going to mention his name, but he had almost 200 points for more than you Mm -hmm. or over 200 points more four than you and finished dead last two and 10. Yep. Well, so. now we're, now I'm just curious who it is. And this is not your show, so we don't need to protect yeah, the innocent this is, here. This is protecting me. <laughs> so I just want to clarify before I yeah, say yeah, anything. Yeah. Billy and this particular person have a back and forth. So, so Interesting. So, so I'm just saying that uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a fact. This is not an opinion. This is not a dig. <laughs> This is just a fact. The fact is that Joe finished last in the league in the regular season. However, he turned it on in the toilet bowl and had a really good finish. I'll just say nobody nobody wants to face toilet bowl Joe. No. If toilet bowl Joe could somehow squeak into the playoffs, he'd win the league every year. This this beef started though from from Philly on the pod saying, I'm not trying to like roast you proceeds to roast said person for like five straight I minutes. Did, I didn't. Just I said, relentlessly. Relentlessly. Uh, you can it look was, it up. It, it was it was a it was you didn't get you didn't take it easy on him. <laughs> it was you bulletin know. board material for years. <laughs> wow. It still is. It still is. We barely we are now cordial. In real life we're good good friends. In the league uh let's just put it this way. Joe had the idea to make uh, rivals, so everybody could have a rival, and we'd have a rivalry week. So we did that this past season, and so he went through and um, decided on the rivals himself, and then scheduled them during our rivalry week. He could pick anybody and chose me. So uh, the animosity is not gone there. I don't think absolute threat. Yeah, uh, yeah, I take that as a sign of respect. You know, uh, I, I think he really, I think he really respects me. Something. Something <laughs> probably, but that's definitely not. That's yeah, definitely not. Maybe you could use. So <laughs> maybe let's let's talk about this year. Um, new crop of players coming in with the NFL draft being done and dusted. Um, a lot of quarterbacks in there now. Some better than others, obviously. Um, let's talk a little bit about because we're all looking at you guys. You run this fantasy football show. You're semi-stable geniuses. You've been doing this for a while. I think you guys know what you're talking about. Who are some of the guys that have been drafted this year who you think are going to be impact players and you're, they're going to be drafted high? Hmm. Uh, drafted high, um, I, got, I think probably a first-round pick. Um, but I, I just don't. I can go either way. It's B. John Robinson. I think he's just uh, rookie running back. If you're the top rookie running back at this point, you're getting drafted in the first round of, of most fantasy drafts. It's just kind of the way that um, it's developed 
there's just not a ton. Even, I mean, you got guys like Jonathan Taylor who had a, a fantasy year for the record books. And then last year was for all intents and purposes, a dud. Uh, you can't really trust him. So I think he's going to be a really high pick. He's probably, he's probably in my opinion, the highest drafted rookie um, ADP um, by a long shot. Um, I could go back and forth on him. I either think he's going to get muddled in the backfield, mired in the mess that is Atlanta, or just by sheer volume, he's going to get the points you need because Atlanta's just going to start him from the, from the jump and he's just going to be a workhorse back for them. So that. I don't really see a middle ground there. I just, I really see him either being like a third, fourth stringer that, you know, gets in there on third downs and you're frustrated that you drafted this guy in the first round, or he proves you right. And he's a solid, uh, stable guy for you all year. I don't know. I mean, like I know Tyler Algier had a really good rookie season, but they don't, they don't owe him anything. I think it was a day three pick. Um, because John Robinson drafted in the top ten, I think they're gonna they're gonna run him pretty hard. I think Arthur Smith has done a great job coaching up running backs. Um, I think he's gonna get volume, and at worst case, he'll be like a guy who, if you're playing in PPR, he's gonna get you numbers just off receptions alone. Um, but he is like his ADP is crazy right now. It is I'm seeing these like RB two right now, and that's like I don't know. Are we believing that's, that hype though? He's the real deal. I just I don't know if yeah, like, I think he's I think he's for real. I mean, yeah. If you if you if you watched him at all at Texas, I mean I'm just a big college football fan in general, and um I mean you watch him, the kid can play. I mean, my comments have nothing to do with him as a player and everything to do with the Falcons as an organization. Like as a player, he's got everything you need. It's whether the Falcons use him properly is is where yeah. his balance is. You have the offensive line to keep him clean too, and I don't know if the the Falcons quite have that yet. Well, and who's who do they have as QB one this year? They're going to ride with Desmond Ritter, right? Yeah, uh, Desmond Ritter. That's uh, Danny Dimes, know. big big fan of the pod. Danny Dimes, he's in it. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious because it, I'm looking at the Falcons roster right now, and I know we're talking fantasy, but here's the thing: is they are good at like the top of their position. And then after that, everything drops off. So after Drake London, who after Kyle Pitts, eh. and then when we get through like the first line, yeah, Kyle Pitts was one of my guys last year and I wanted to throw him off a cliff. Um, <laughs> um, but you look at your the, on that. I'm pretty sure fantasy managers all over the world. Yeah. Are, Marcus Mariota has to lock his doors at night because of me. <laughs> <laughs> But you look at that offensive line, too, and, like, on the surface, pretty good. After that, ooh. So, and I don't I don't know if everyone is necessarily sold on Desmond Ritter. I think if push comes to shove and they're in the top two or three, they're drafting Caleb Williams, and Desmond Ritter gets to carry someone's luggage in two years. <laughs> I'm not as concerned about that because, like, Arthur Smith, like, he can he schemes up run game pretty well. The Titans didn't. I, I don't think the Titans had that great of an offensive line when he was there. And Derek, I mean Derek Henry is obviously built different, but like I think Bijan Robinson in a different way is kind of built different. Like he's not the size of Derek Henry, but he's he's got elite movement skills, um, the contact balance, the missed tackles. Like it's it's what he specializes in. I have no doubt that the scheme alone, because they run a lot of like tight end heavy, H back heavy. You know, run game. Um, I, th- I don't think I don't think it really matters who the quarterback is going to be. I, I'm not as high on Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Obviously, Kyle Pitts fucked me last year. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't. I think Bajon Robinson is just gonna. I, I think he's gonna easily be a top ten running back fantasy. Like I don't. I think in. I if I think if everything goes as planned, but he has so much. He has unlimited potential. So he could be RB one. Okay. Yeah, I don't hate that one. Mine, mine is actually another running back, um, Jameer Gibbs. Um, he is another guy. I think. I think a lot of this is going to be part situational. I think he's coming into a really good situation in Detroit, where I don't think Detroit's going to be you know an exceptional team. It's going to knock your socks off. But um, getting rid of Jamal Williams, who kind of usurped the backfield from DeAndre Swift, um, having a very pass-friendly offense that's going to really open up some run lanes. But then Jameer Gibbs' skill set, I think he compares very well to like Alvin Kamara. Um, Not like an elite runner out of the backfield, but really, really good hands, a great pass catcher. Um, Especially in PPR leagues, I think, you know, you can probably pencil him in for 50-plus receptions if he's healthy. Um, And he's just – he's got great playmaking ability. Um, Watching him at Alabama last year – Obviously, I'm a Hurricanes fan, so I saw him at Georgia Tech the year before that. Um, go Canes! So, like he, uh, he's just he's a he's a playmaker. The dude is just a gamer, um, and I think he's going to be in a great situation where um, the Lions really aren't so certain about DeAndre Swift, and if he starts getting some touches and makes plays with you know catches, Jameer Gibbs could be a guy that um he he might he might be a league winner for you. So DeAndre Swift in Philly now. Oh, is he? Yeah, he got he got traded uh, draft night. I, I completely uh, missed that. So and Ben Johnson uh, turned down head co- head coaching opportunities and is going to be back as offense coordinator. So Jameer Gibbs is a big so, time I mean, guy. They can't keep, keep getting away with this. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Howie Roseman, man. As a Giants fan, it just kills me every single year. You're care. welcome. The Phil- the Philadelphia Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Exactly. I'm so glad yeah. you guys gave Danny Dimes such a great contract too. I'm not I'm not worried about that contract because it doesn't hamper them long term, and they can still if they flame out this year, they could easily draft you know a quarterback in the first round, and and it won't, they can get out of that contract after two years. He says that, but I feel like I remember an episode of this podcast <laughs> last season where. Q had to convince himself midseason, like, do I want Danny Dimes to fail or succeed? And I feel like you were at a crossroads of like, what, he like, was a man in crisis. Yes, because I, because I like I like CJ Stroud a lot. I liked a lot of the quarterbacks in this class. I felt like it would have been better to kind of start fresh, um, especially Anthony Richardson, like who I'm just a huge buy on. Um, that would have been nice, but like halfway through the year, I'm like, Brian, like I have to trust that I don't less know football. I, I know less football than Brian Dable does, right? Yeah. I know less football than Joe Shane does. So if they're looking at Daniel Jones's performance and they're like, this is what he's worth, until they prove me otherwise, I have to trust them. Yeah. Good thing you guys upgraded at receiver, right? <laughs> you know what though? Don't really need like an elite receiver. I actually think Daniel Jones thrives better without an elite receiver. This is Stockholm syndrome. This is no, it's not. Syndrome. It's it's honestly like I think when, if you gave him like I don't think he would know what to do with a Devonte Adams. Like I and that's a that's more of a diss to Daniel Jones than anything. I just think he's better when he's working with like more scrappy guys. And like honestly, can we get like, somebody that sucks in here? Wait, so can I can I just to, just to I'm I'm question. better when I play with people who suck. Just, by the way, it's Daniel not Jones. It's not by suck. The- there is a diva mentality to top tier receivers and it can put a strain. Derek Carr obviously got Devontae Adams this year and the Raiders were garbage and he had his worst season. 
you could argue that when he had like guys that he was the alpha to, he played better. So I'd like to point out that Daniel Jones is a subscriber to our YouTube channel. Yeah. Thanks for the subscription, Daniel. Much obliged. <laughs> As um, your number one fan is just like napalming your entire you, lawn. I also want to point out if you flesh out Isaiah Hodgins' numbers out of a 17 game season, they are fantastic. They're fantastic. And then you, Paris Campbell, who I always thought was kind of wasting his time in Indianapolis. Um, Jalen Hyatt kid has like burner ability. It's a lot of question marks, but it's like they're not scrubs by any. So, by are you one of the Giants fans that is convinced yourself that Paris Campbell's the next Debo? No, that's no, what a lot no. of the, the the Giants fans on Twitter are saying that I like it Paris as a lot of Debo. He's a lottery ticket. That's all. That's all he is. He's a former high round pick from Ohio State at receiver that I'm like has potential to be like something. You know, a valuable contributor, but yeah, if anybody, Debo Sam, there's only one Debo Samuel. His name's Debo Samuel. Like that's that's that's, when, that's how it goes. So, but can you use him in that same vein as like a like a, an option like that? That's like tenth of the talent, sure. But like, no, he's not. That there are a lot of delusional Giants fans will tell you that I'm not expecting Daniel Jones to have this 30 touchdown season. But do I think that he could? play well enough to get them into the playoffs like they did last year? Absolutely. It's not impossible. Schedule's tougher, though. That's for sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Who else? Um, let's move on to some of the quarterbacks um, that are in this draft that are are now with teams. Um, obviously, as some are better than others, but who do you all think, from from your opinions – who are going to be impact players day one versus the guys that you're going to need to put some time into to wait? Um, I, I'm speaking specifically of like, what is the Anthony Richardson's of the world versus the Will Levis's of the world? Do you think these guys are going to be worth drafting, you know, first round? Or are they going to be worth drafting at all? Or are they going to be guys who just pick up and hope that you get something out of them? I think if you, I think when you're talking about the rookie quarterbacks, as far as like guys who have the potential to actually be like viable starters this year, unless you can get like CJ Stroud, I don't think you're going to have like a viable starter. I think Anthony Richardson has some very high like Justin Fields esque upside this season because because of his running ability. Mm -hmm. um, if you're asking him to be an actual NFL quarterback that needs to go out and win games, that's probably not going to be him this year. Um, but, you know, from a fantasy perspective, he's, he's got, you know, 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown potential as a runner. And if you can add, you know, 2,500 yards passing, 15, 15 rushing touchdowns or 15 passing touchdowns and keep the interceptions down, um, that's, what, that's what you need from a fantasy quarterback. If you're asking him to go out and, you know, win you the AFC South, I don't think he's going to be doing that this year. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think – if, unless you can get your hands on him, I don't think there's really another quarterback that's worth drafting and keeping on your roster until you see like reason to believe. Let's be, let's be real. Jalen Hurts can get ten plus rushing touchdowns. Anthony Richardson should be able to do it in his sleep. Oh yeah, I mean he's got a great situation. He's going to be in a great running situation. The Colts have a good offensive line. You hope Jonathan Taylor comes back healthy. Like this could look like um, you know an early. Atlanta Falcons offense with Michael Vick when they had uh, Vick um, and work done and TJ Duckett, like it could look like that. They're going to run the ball a lot. 
Um, you'll have Jonathan Taylor taking a lot of pressure um, off of Anthony Richardson. And who knows, that could help his development as a passer. Um, you have to, I mean, you have to think too, the, the Colts, the Colts have Shane Steichen now, who was the, the Eagles uh, offensive coordinator who uh, really, I mean, built the offense around Jalen Hurts to make him, you know, uh, help him get to where he is and run that really nice RPO as well. So, I mean, the, he's got the, he's got all the tools there to, to, uh, and he wanted a quarterback that he could mold. And I think uh, AR kind of fits what Shane wants to do. So uh, it'll, to see if uh, it'll, it'll really come down to if that Colts offensive line can bounce back to because like they were pretty abysmal last year. Quinn um, Nelson too. Yeah, they, they regressed pretty heavily. Um, so if they can get back to like that all pro level that they were at two years ago or three years ago, then I think AR's in a pretty good situation. But if they played like they did last year, um, he's in trouble. Um, I, I will say though, that's a pretty good division to be in if it's your rookie year, though. Right. I mean, yeah. you're going up against another rookie quarterback, a guy who had who was a high draft pick, who has had his first good year, and then, I mean, you got Ryan Tannehill there as well. There's a lot of moving pieces in that division, and and probably one of the best things that's in his favor coming from Florida to Indy, you get to play in a dome controlled environment and the weather is pretty good. So you're not like, you're not going from Florida to Ohio or even green Bay where shit can get real, real fast. Um, I mean, I think this can, I think that's a team that can go like nine and seven based solely on the teams in their conference or the teams in their division. And it's, it's not going to be a pretty nine and seven. They're just going to be able to get there and, you know, I would imagine AR is probably going to be like 50% passing completion, a bunch of picks, probably like close on touchdowns, but just a shit ton of rushing touchdowns and a lot of yards on the ground. Like like a Steve McNair type season, you know? Yeah. Like he gets it done, but it's, it doesn't look pretty, but he gets it done. Yeah. I mean, even that first like really good year that Atlanta had, Vic was not a great passer, but they were they're like ten and six, and I think they beat the Packers in Lambeau. Yeah, and able to get it done. I mean, Michael Vick didn't have a season where he looked great as a passer until that resurgent year in Philly. Yeah, that was like his first year where he looked great as a. Or he, I'm not going to say great. He looked good as a passer. Um, the whole offense was built around his ability to run the football, and then you have Warwick Dunn, who's a scat back, and then you had T.J. Duckett, who's a power back. Um, you could you could do anything. You have three guys who can run through you, over you, or, or around you, and that's how they built their whole offense. And I think if if the Colts wanted to go that route and go heavy into the power run game, then Richardson could certainly be a viable fantasy option. I still wouldn't like him as a as a quarterback requiring you to win real football games, um, at least not this year. But um, that he he would be my my one quarterback that I would say would be worth the the fantasy draft pick on of the, all the others, I would just say probably wait. It'd be kind of like a Justin Herbert thing where like, you know, he wasn't the starter at first and then he just took over and lit the world on fire. Um, but, you know, maybe that could be the case for Bryce young. Um, they've got a, you know, pretty solid receiving core there. Um, they made some moves on the offensive line uh, in free agency. So, you know, maybe, Bryce Young comes in and he gets hot early. Um, who knows? I think C.J. Stroud, I think, in my opinion, C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in this draft, but I think he's got the toughest situation 
in this draft, um, getting drafted by the Texans. So he's he's the one who, like, if he went just about anywhere else, um, if he got drafted to the Panthers, I would flip him and Bryce Young, and I'd say watch out for C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, maybe he's worth a 13th, 14th round pick and just stash him on your bench in case he pops. So, Also, Frank Reich being there also helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know necessarily about um, Carolina. I know that they drafted – I know that they got a bunch of guys, but some of those dudes, they don't really do anything for me because, I mean, Adam Thielen is an old man at this point, and I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. Um, and then some of the other guys like DJ Shark, I think they traded for him last year or – I think they acquired they, him this offseason because he, he, he was in he was on the Lions last year. Yeah. But he's bounced around quite a bit, and I I don't know if this is enough to like elevate this team to where they want to be. And and frankly, like I know I've said this a bunch of times on this show, like Bryce Young's size scares the living shit out of me. And it's not that he's short; it's because he's lean and he's a small dude. And yeah. I know you can kind of get away with a lot of that stuff in college where you can kind of just scoot past a bunch of guys at the Citadel or South Alabama, but every person in the NFL is a big dude, is a big boy. So I am a little apprehensive about what that's going to look like. Also, just Matt Corral's mental health. I think we all are just generally concerned about his well-being after some of his Instagram posts. Um, Matt, hope you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I want to move on to not necessarily drafts, guys that have been drafted this year that are not going to be good. More so, like, who do you think is getting a lot of hype this year who you think is going to be a bust fantasy-wise? I've got one if you want us to get started. Hit me. I, I'm not going to say a bust fantasy-wise, but he's a guy who um, who I think a lot of people are going to be pretty high on, and I think he's just not in a great situation to have a strong fantasy season. Um, but that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm. Um, mm. Very talented receiver. No one questions his talent or his ability. But um, there's just a couple limiting factors there. Number one, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, you know, even if he edges one of them out on the depth chart and becomes the wide receiver too, um, Tyler Lockett is still the safety valve. Um, he's the guy who's going to get a lot of those dump off targets. Um, DK Metcalf is still the home run hitter. And so Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have to somehow figure out where his target share comes in and those in-between um, plays. Number two, Geno Smith, his story last year is a fantastic story. Um, and I think it's one that like as sports fans, we can all relate to because it's it's a comeback story. You know, that classic line, they wrote me off. I didn't write back like that. That's awesome. And yet the NFL is a can you do it year after year league? And so, you know, Geno Smith is going into what his 11th season, 12th season. Um, and this is his really first respectable season of his career. And if you're asking Gino to suddenly become a franchise quarterback in his 12th or 13th year, I don't know that I, I, I just don't know that you're in a good spot. Um, and maybe I'd feel differently about this if his, the first 10 years of his career were great seasons. And then he, you know, he's coming back off a horrific injury and he has the season he had last year. It's, it's very different when that's like your first great season of your career in year 12. 
So I think a lot of it is going to hinge on Geno Smith. Is he, is he the real deal? Is he finally turned that corner in his career and he's going to finish out his career as a, you know, consistent top 10, top 15 quarterback. Um, but then the other limiting factors of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that's going to be a crowded receiver room. It's going to look a lot like the Bengals and the Bengals don't have a Joe Burrow or the, excuse me, the Seahawks don't have a Joe Burrow. So where does his target share come in with, you know, kind of the, the hierarchy of their receiver room. But I think it, his talent alone is enough to make a lot of fantasy managers say, I'll take a risk on that. Ohio State doesn't miss on wide receivers in the NFL very often. So let's take a let's take a flyer on him. But that'd I, I, be do my... ag- I do agree, but didn't he have he had close to six hundred passing attempts last year, didn't he? Geno Smith it was like it was some crazy high number, right? So Geno I mean, like, Smith? I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he had a strong year. He yeah. had a strong year, but like is that gonna continue? Yeah. It, it's such a rare thing, like outside of maybe like Kurt Warner, right? Like someone who comes in at like 30 something years old and then just like, I mean, like if Gino, the difference is Gino's been in the league for, but it's like, it's, it is kind of weird with Gino because it never did feel like he actually got a fair shake. Like, yeah, those Jets. years with the Jets were just an absolute disaster. Yeah. Then he goes to the Chargers, Giants, like all the, all those teams that like, he just never really even stood a chance to ever hit the field. Um, I always liked his game. I loved him in West Virginia. Um, what was it like Steve Slayton and all those guys? Like yeah, Noel Devine, Tavon yeah, Austin. Tavon Austin, awesome. right? Yeah, that was it was fun watching them. Um, but I, I don't know. Jackson Smith and Jigba to me, just because how good he is um in the intermediate routes, I feel like he could be like they don't really do they have a tight end there that's like worth anything? No, not really. I feel like he could be that like safety valve of the middle of the field. I, I don't know. It's just like he's just so talented. It's just crazy to see how Ohio State wide receivers talk about him. Like even like Garrett Wilson will say like he's like the best wide receiver that's come out of Ohio State in years. So it's like it's just crazy to see how people talk about him. But uh, I think long term, I think you're right. He might struggle year one, but long term, I'm very high on him. Yeah, yeah. And I want to I want to preface. I think I think he's going to be a great receiver um, long term. But I think he's going to be kind of limited this season as far as what he offers from a fantasy perspective and. That's just kind of what I think based on the situation. Now, if he got drafted to the if he got drafted to the Texans, I'd feel very differently. Yeah, because um, he would be a clear wide receiver one there. Um, even though he's going to have a rookie quarterback, like they're going to lean on each other. Um, you know, so I just think it's it's the situation that he's in with a crowded wide receiver room um, and a quarterback that we're like, okay, it, like last year was a great year. Can you do it again? Yeah, and that's the thing about Gino is that he set obviously he set career markers in every category this last year. But I mean the team was still kind of not great and I think they they might have made a huge mistake in not finding somebody who could possibly replace him. And maybe that person is in this next year's draft, but I mean, if you got Drew Locke behind him and some other person that is going to be working at the Jimmy Johns at the street in two years, I'm, I'm kind of concerned because, again, this is the first time he's been able to put a full season together, being healthy and being consistent, and being consistently good. And I just – I don't know. I feel like this team is – I feel like they had a better year than they probably deserved. And – I don't think Gino's going to be able to do it again. 
I hope he can. I don't think he will, though. And that that's my only question mark is like, can we expect this Geno Smith again? And if so, um, maybe that could bode very well for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, um, I got a couple of folks in mind. Um, the Dolphins backfield. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to sign Dalvin Cook or Kane. I don't know how he's going to do. Like, I would just avoid the Dolphins backfield. It's going to be tempting to take Dalvin Cook. Um wherever he's at, but I just feel like he's you're not guaranteed to get 16 games out of him, 17 games out of him, whatever you you're not even guaranteed to get the 13 or 14 you need for a fantasy season out of him. So it's it's a tough sell there. Um I'm, another one that's probably not a huge um name or name in terms of bust, potential bust, but DeAndre Hopkins um mm. is a guy that has been so synonymous for so long with being an elite receiver. Um, I think he's probably more in the high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two range. Has he um, signed anywhere yet? No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, that, that's telling. I mean, there's a couple teams that have been interested in him that I think could have gotten him. And I don't know if his number is just too high or if, they've, or if they're seeing concerns, but he is 31. Um, and so he's he's getting up there. And um, it's just a guy that I think you would, if you see him, I don't know that people are going to draft him in the first, maybe even the second round, but he's a name. It's been a synonymous name for so long that when people see him, I think they're going to be like, mm, Hopkins is still here. I'm going to take him. And maybe there's, you know, five or six guys ahead of him that would be a better pick. Um, and then my, my spicy take, because uh, I got to have a spicy take is Tony Pollard. Uh, <laughs> he was fantastic. There's no, I mean, he was RB seven, I think last year in standard scoring. So like, he's great. But I'll be interested to see if he was RB7 because he was splitting the backfield with Zeke, which uh, gave him fresher legs. Um, he's a different runner than Zeke, so that gave the defense – it would kind of confuse defenses and coverages. And, like, when you're game planning for just him, does that take away his carries? Um, and if you have a healthy Dak back for a full season, does that take away his carries? I mean, they relied on that running game a lot when Dak was out. So, um the, vo- the volume will be there for him. Obviously, he's the guy now. Um, but I don't know if the production will stay the same. And I think we're talking about a guy that's, you know, he's not, he may or may not be a keeper for some folks. Um, but if he's not a keeper, if you're in a keeper league that doesn't take the first round pick, I mean, he's probably going to go in your first round, maybe even your second round. Um, you know, it's a, probably the third or fourth uh, running back off the board after the keepers. So it'd be interesting to see. I have that same concern with Tony Pollard because also he's a bit of a slighter guy too. He's only about like five nine, two hundred something, like small two hundred number. So it's like I, I just you know now that like he's going to be taking over that RB one role, can he withstand? Like, is he going to be able to do a twenty carry you know per week type of thing? I don't, I don't think so. But I think he can still be effective. But I think, I think limiting expectations of what he's going to be is important. Yeah. And there's not a ton of reliability behind him either. Like Malik Davis, Ronald Jones, Deuce Vaughn. I know there was a lot of hype around Deuce Vaughn. You're still 176 pounds in the NFL. Like, you're just a little guy. <laughs> I think people uh, see Darren Sproles with him. So, like, a guy like, I think, who's going to be limited. I think yeah. in the Cowboys offense, specifically as I think about Mike McCarthy, it'll be interesting to see, like, who fills the Tony Pollard role from last year this year. Mike McCarthy likes splitting carries. He's never really been like a true RB1 guy, even when he's had RB1s, which I don't think he's had that many in his in his time as a coach. But 
it'll be interesting to see like who they kind of foist into that role. And if um, Q, like you were saying, like, if, is Tony Pollard a 20 carry guy? Is he even going to be allowed to get 20 carries in Mike McCarthy's offense? Who knows? The only benefit would be Brian Schottenheimer's running the show. And, yeah. you know, and as a Giants fan, I'm perfectly fine with Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer running that offense. So. Yeah, I think I think if you're an opposing fan, specifically an NFC East rival, you're like, okay, that's going to be a very one-dimensional offense. Perfectly Bring happy it on. <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer's claim to fame is Mike is making Colt McCoy cry in Cleveland. <laughs> that's the only thing he's been able to do well. Oh, I was going to say even NFL less. Career. It's just being Marty Schottenheimer's son. So yeah, oh, there you literally, go. Yeah. literally a nepo baby. Yeah, like he is peak NFL. <laughs> nepotism right there yeah <laughs> i have a couple that i'm genuinely concerned about and one is mac jones i don't think like them bringing in an actual normie offensive coordinator other than the homeless guy and the crip keeper <laughs> in joe fudge i don't think I don't know how good this team is going to actually be because they still have a lot of the same parts that they did last year. And Juju Smith-Schuster is not exactly a person that lights the world on fire for me. It's Bill O'Brien, Tom. Yeah, but I've <laughs> never associated with like high-powered offenses with Bill O'Brien. I've associated like I drive five miles under the speed limit and I'm going to buy – yeah, I'm going to put like an extra gallon of gas in my car to get two free hot dogs at 7-Eleven. <laughs> He's definitely got a punch card for Jimmy John's, for sure. Yeah, and he, he keeps that thang on him whenever he some He there. somehow has a punch card at QT. Like He gets, like, <laughs> he, he gets he, one, he, free deli, one free deli, uh, one free roller grill item every two visits. He, he tries gas. to scan the he subway gas exclusively from his grocery store so he can get the points off from spending <laughs> you know, 10 cents off hey, every hundred dollars. fighting words. All right. Some of us are, some of us are working out here. No, Hey, listen, I did, I do the same thing. Man. I got, you're I got not, 30, you're not I got an 30 NFL cents coach. off a gallon yesterday when I filled up. I mean, look at you fucking one percenter here. <laughs> I've been saving up those points for April and May. Got to cash them bad boys in. I was like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> To but, his credit, though, Tom, he did—he was the offensive coordinator in 2011 when they went to the Super Bowl, and then he left after that, and that's when they kind of started taking a turn. So. Yeah, but how many other um, quarterbacks, or how many other offensive coordinators went to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady? Yeah. What What I'll say is this: it's Bill probably it's probably more it's probably it speaks more if you don't go to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady than if you yeah. do go to the Super Bowl. With Tom yeah. Brady. That's true. Bill O'Brien had a literal Ferrari in Alabama, and they were a pretty average college football offense. He put the cruise control on at 35 miles an hour. Yeah, like th <laughs> this man said, um, listen, I'm going to stay in the slow lane. Y'all go ahead and do your thing with the number one overall pick at quarterback. He, he thought um, he was um, the uh, Wolf of Wall Street guy. Uh, what's his name? Jordan, uh, Jordan Belfort. Jordan Belfort. Jordan Belfort. He thought he was Jordan Belfort in the movie when he's on Quaaludes and thinks he's driving like nice and slow. He pulls to the country <laughs> club and the thing's trashed. That's Bill O'Brien. That, that, that's a pretty good analogy. Um, I, I would say just flip it though, because like at least if you'd have just driven Alabama recklessly last year, like at least the offensive numbers would have been great. I mean, they were in a freaking slog with. Texas A&M, like Texas A&M nearly beat him on a, on the final play of the game. Like, yeah, yeah those were Texas, not great. Games Texas, Texas nearly beat you with their backup quarterback. Like there's no excuse for that. When you have, when you have the players 
of the caliber of Alabama and you have the number one draft pick at quarterback, like I just, I, I that's just, it's baffling to me. It's also, I mean, it's also telling when I could ta- I'm like, pretty sure I could take an NCAA playbook, like from the video game and go run Alabama's offense and do just as good as Bill O'Brien did last year. Just, yeah. just let that pick for you. Just, just have a yeah, screen. I'm just going to ask Corso. Corso. Ask Corso. Coach's choice. Ask Corso. <laughs> ask Corso. <laughs> you, okay, run this play. I'm not going to do anything. And I'll just get the credit for it. Just Amy Bill O'Brien's salary, and I'll just have NCAA pick the plays. And I'm pretty sure it would work out just as well as it did last year with O'Brien. I don't, I don't think it would have been worse. Yeah, so, I mean, Mac Jones is the one that I'm concerned about. And frankly, they seem, they seem to be, like, really psyched about Bailey Zappi because, you know, he went to a school that nobody ever heard of. and that's Broke exactly- Joe Burrow's record. Right, and that's exactly who fucking Bill Belichick likes. He likes Peter guys Philly. that run like he likes guys that run like the Crew Club at St. Cloud State or whatever like that. The second guy is, and this pains me to say because I'm a Washington Commandos fan, is Sam Howell. I think there's a little too much hype around him right now, where I think there is talent there, but people are hyping him up to be like a 35 touchdown guy this year and even though Eric the enemy is there and he's shown that he can be a successful coordinator it's still Ron Rivera's team and if we want to talk about driving the Ferrari five miles under the speed limit we are taking the bus to the club <laughs> with Ron Rivera Com- motherfucker Com- didn't even know that they were out of the playoffs last year <laughs> Kamish, as a as an NFC East hater, professional hater, what are your thoughts on the Redskins? Uh, Commanders. Oh, Sorry. We have a new brand. Thank you, Mandos. My, my well, apologies. You're gonna have to rebrand again. Her, so. her mom. Her mama named her the Redskins, so I'm gonna call her the Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I did get to recently meet uh, Taylor Heineke in the airport. That was kind of cool. Nice. So former nice. former Washington football team player, um, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the commanders are going to be very mid um, all across the board. I like Jahan Dotson, but um, I don't too. I don't I don't think you can like I don't what Sam Howell had one game week eighteen that was kind of meaningless. Um, but I mean, the piss out of the Cowboys, though. So. But I mean, like that just goes to show how Ron Rivera is, though, because like there's no reason Sam Howell shouldn't have been starting the last four or five weeks of the season. Agreed. Well, and he wasn't and, even going to start the last week. He, yeah. They weren't even they weren't even going to start him the last week until Heineke said, "You know what? Give give Howell the reps. I'm going to go sign a I'm going to go sign a 20 million contract with the uh, oh he's with Atlanta now. So that's yep. that's too uh, cool. He'll replace Ritter week you know five or six or whatever. But oh, God. Um, but yeah, no, I mean yeah, it's it's kind of a mess. So I'm sorry for you, Tom. But that's okay. I mean. <laughs> Comparatively, like Carson Wentz was the guy last year, and I wanted to like throw myself through a play class window whenever he started a game. At least Taylor Heineke tried out there, and Carson Wentz was like, "I wish I was hunting something that's on an endangered list." <laughs> I, w- I was gonna say, don't feel bad for Tom because he won the fucking Super Bowl this off season. Dan Snyder's gone. Not yet, officially. Not yet, officially, but he will it, be it's, gone. It's done, basically. In principle, the deal is kind of done. In principle, so. if the NFL doesn't fuck themselves over and ask for more money and be like, "Oh, the financing is weird here," like you had fucking Daniel Snyder or Dan Snyder steal money from other owners, and mm-hmm. now you're going to be worried about the fucking finances, like. 
This guy lied about attendance at home games so he didn't have to pay other owners. And now we're worried about the finances. So I have a a controversial RB1, and I want to hear your guys' take on it. Fantasy, um, like all fantasy RB1? Fantasy RB1. He's not number one overall, but he will be my RB1. Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take that one. Um, yeah. I think Nick Chubb is going to be, I think he's, well, I mean, Nick Chubb's an elite running back regardless. Uh, the reports this offseason are well is that they want to get him more involved in the pass game, too. So you. No Kareem add- Hunt. Yeah. You add a few, add a, add a handful of receptions to his, his game already. I mean, like. He can he can win you a game by himself, uh, but now you got to worry about him catching balls out of the backfield too. That's a that's a dangerous recipe if uh, Deshaun Watson can keep his hands to himself and uh, kind of get back to to football playing football the way that he was uh, prior to uh, uh, you know all of the the legal issues he had. I think they're in a pretty good pretty good spot. Uh, so keep hands on the pigskin and not somebody else's skin. Got it. Cool. Yes. I, I actually I like that one. If he if he's your RB one, your first running back draft pick or your keeper, I think he's a I think he's a good keeper. I actually I'll take it a step further. I actually think the Browns are going to be a sneaky sneaky pick to win like ten games this year. Well, um, now all the controversy's gone, right? Like now all the well, you hope you hope the things have blown over there and um, that Deshaun Watson can keep his hand to himself. But a full off season working with the team, getting fully integrated into the offense. Um, who was the, uh, the receiver that they grabbed, um, uh, that they traded for, I think, uh, Elijah Moore, you got Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, um, to go along with Nick Chubb. I think, you know, with a full off season with Deshaun Watson, I mean, his last full year of football, he threw for 5,000 yards with the freaking Texans, um, without DeAndre Hopkins. So I think this has the potential to be, or no, I think he did have DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me on that one. Um, but I think they have a, a sneak, some sneaky potential there, um, and I, I'm I'm high on Nick Chubb too. So well, they also have Marquise Goodwin who can take the he can take the I mean he can he can run. Dude's quick. I mean he's a like very high rated sprinter hurdler as well. If Njoku continue can continue his kind of progression as well, that's a good offense. But yeah, to answer your question, Q, Nick Chubb, good choice. Yeah, they have all the pieces to be really good. It's just. They're the Browns, so like, that's the limiting we, factor. Do we, do we buy in again on the Browns and get mouth fucked later, or I have a question about at... another team for that? So, I, like, we can talk about the Browns, but I have another team that I think is similar that I want to get thoughts on. You're gonna say the Jags? <laughs> yes, Jag me off, baby. Um, <laughs> I, so real quickly, I do say uh, Chubb is a top five to me. Like, I I would not be surprised to see him finish even top three. Uh, for me, it's a two-man race between Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. Um, Eckler's proven to be he can be the RB one, um, and McCaffrey like just came on in San Francisco, and I just it's hard for me to not trust McCaffrey. Like he's he was good when he's in Carolina, and he was good when he's in San Francisco. Like he's just good. And I and, do you worry though with Shanahan? Do you worry though with Shanahan? It's like constantly splitting reps with like no, because he. Guys. I mean, the last half of the year he had like two or three thirty-point games when he went. Like he had, I think three thirty-point games when he went to San Francisco. Um, and that doesn't include any playoff performances. That's just like regular season um, games. So, um, 
so no, I, I don't like I don't have concerns about that, um, particularly because they could put Debo back in really a a receiver um, position instead of that kind of hybrid role. Um, but they still have Debo as a threat, so like you don't you have to keep him honest. So those are my two. But again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Nick Chubb creep in the top three. I I just look at like Chubb's numbers and I'm like I've never seen like a quieter. 1500 12 1500 yard 12 touchdown season i think their their strength of schedule is going to be like 24th against the run it's like it's not a and then no kareem hunt like you were saying friday like they're adding you know the the passing game elements to it he's already a tank he can take like you know 200 300 carries easy i just i I just don't see the downside plus that offensive line is so good yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what happens when you trade for a guy who had been suspended for what, like two years or a year yeah. and a half. And I mean, we've seen what happens when the the off the field stuff kind of overtakes pretty much everything else. And I mean, you get moments like that where you have Nick Chubb who puts up a sneaky good season and no one cares because you have a guy who's being sued by 35 people. But there was a there was a question in the comments here that I think is also really important. So, um, Keith, we got to ask you this: um, yeah. Who would you be running goal line triple option set with Alabama? You got to answer that question two seconds or less. I would I would certainly consider the triple option. Um, I'm very proficient with the triple option. One of my favorites is using Army um, in NCAA 14. So. Um, I would certainly consider it um, Nevada, Nevada's offense. It's a heavy pistol. I love using Nevada's offense. So it doesn't matter what team I'm playing with. Um, I will always pick Nevada's offense. So heavy pistol. I think they've got like, I think they have like two non pistol based formations and one of them is goal line. So, um, so that would, that would be the offense that I would pick um, at Alabama, assuming everyone like knew um, I'd be like, hey, this is the play right here. Just line up in this formation and then run that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I would have done just as well as Bill O'Brien. Well, you got some fans in the comments here. So <laughs> <laughs> getting fucking rizzed up by um, by our people. So, <laughs> <laughs> Is that Baby Gronk in the comments, Tom? It's definitely Baby Gronk's dad in the comments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, one I last was really thing. hoping he would be on the show today, but yeah, I, I mean, I I, we're getting peppered in the the DMs on Instagram <laughs> by Baby Gronk's father and uncle about like, hey, can we get on the show? Can we get on the show? Um, one last thing, quarterback related. How do we feel about Jordan Love? Are we? Is he gonna be good? Is this gonna be an ass move for them? I'm tempted to. I have him. I have him on my keeper team, and I could keep him for what equates to about a ninth round pick. And I'm tempted to do it just out of the pure shot that he ends up. It's a two quarterback league. And like if he ends up hitting, but I just, I don't know, man. Like there's definitely promising signs, but, and he like, he's kind of following the trajectory that like Rogers and Favre did, you know, like kind of Rogers did with Favre. But like, I don't know. Question mark. He didn't have yeah. really the hype though that those guys did though. I mean, yeah, but- Rodgers ended up going round 25, 26. What was it in the first round? He got yeah. drafted higher than Rodgers. He was he was late. True. Yeah. I as a as a Vikings fan, I just had the sinking feeling that he's going to be good because it's just what always happens. <laughs> How I mean, like, is there is there a franchise? Because let's just say hypothetically, Jordan Love does hit. 
Like, is there a franchise that that less deserves like three back to back to back generational no, quarterbacks no. than the answer's no. no, the answer's no. <laughs> like, like the I'd even no. I'd even say the Cowboys no, deserve it's, three it's generational Packers. quarterbacks back to back to back before the Packers. Like, I just I just I cannot wrap my mind around Jordan Love potentially being like you know a, another great quarterback and the, and the Packers having like forty five years of great quarterbacking. For I don't I don't think Philly will survive if he does. Like I don't I don't think he's got another. I don't. Year I think, yeah, we are we that. are definitely going to have to do a wellness check if Jordan <laughs> finishes the season with like four thousand yards and thirty five touchdowns. They're going to be like, I want to do a wellness check on my friend. Like, yeah, like did we're going to watch. Do you see all, the stat line? Yeah, we're going to have to all like meet up in Concord, North Carolina, and be like, Hey, bro, are you doing okay? <laughs> if, if it's like a if it's like a if it's anything more than like a 50 50 split on touchdowns and interceptions, I just, it's just not 50 50. Yeah. So if he goes like 62%, let's say he throws 20, so he goes like 20 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Yeah. Let's say, let's say 24 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, right? Like yeah, not a good season by any measure. No, that, but that just means like that's his first season. <laughs> that's the problem. That's his first season. I just, I can't, like, I, um, I met somebody the other day um, uh, from Wisconsin, and they were asking about pro football. And I said I was a uh, Vikings fan, and they're like, "We're Packers fans." And I was like, "Well, I figured." I was like, "Well, Ding Dong the Witch is dead, but knowing my luck, uh, Jordan Love is gonna like put on the the boots and come out from underneath the house and just act like nothing ever happened." So, what what is that? What is that? What is an analogy from? Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. The fuck you talking? Sorry, I'm not a boomer. <laughs> we, I'm, I'm just gonna put this out there. Uh, Got we, should all, we should all Roasted. set a note in our calendar um, for October 29th. That is Jordan Love's first start against the Vikings. If he torches the Vikings, we all need to be prepared to go check in on Philly. That's Who gonna be the best Halloween ghost story I've ever heard. If Philly <laughs> just runs off into the night and just haunts people, here's the hold the Packers have. We are talking about a game, uh, September. To- uh, August four months away. We're already talking about me dying. Yeah, you're already <laughs> speaking to your therapist about it. We are what's already. Bo- what's prepared. bothering you today, Philly? Well, I'm just not sure about Jordan Love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the Vikings play the Packers in a couple months, and uh, therapist's like, "Oh, not there's fucking a potential. Jordan Love again." Oh, this fucking kid. <laughs> there's a potential he hits, and I'm just not going to be doing well. <laughs> I just, I'm not ready for this. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I that's that would be my thought. Like, I think Jordan Love, realistically, like I'm not super high on him. Like if he was playing for the Vikings, I wouldn't be super high on him. So Philly, I have a question for you yeah. then, because you're the resident Vikings fan here. I can keep Alexander Madison for a late round pick. Am I making a mistake in trusting him? Because it's the last two seasons under four yards per carry. You got Ty Chandler last year. You got Dwayne McBride this season. Um, Who what, do you what think ends up winning at? out? Uh, it's like a ten. It's like a tenth round pick. Oh yeah, take him for sure. I, but do you think though that he's gonna? Is he gonna take advantage of Dalvin Cook being gone, or is this gonna be a three-headed monster, or does one of those guys take over? I think, I think he takes over. I think okay. Madison takes over. I think he's the starter. I wouldn't be surprised for a um, like a change of pace back. Um, you know, similar to how Madison was for Dalvin Cook, but. Um, I know his yards per carry is not super high. Under but, four the last few seasons. But watching him in a game, like 
he was a difference maker. And there's a lot of times where his legs looked fresher than Dalvin Cook. He would come in and I'd be like, Ooh, look at that. And I, and I was thinking I was cheering on Dalvin Cook. Cause they, they have similar have, builds. Well, they have similar yeah. builds and they both have dreads that cover their nameplate and their number. And it was a single, so, they both have single digit, right? Yeah. Two and four. Yeah. Yeah. So you, there's not really like, you, you, if you're just catching the guy from the the eagle yeah, eye, from the side him, angle, it's kind of hard. It is juking. You're like, oh, and then it'd be like, I was like, damn, Dalvin still got it, you know, like because I'm as a Vikings fan, I'm like, well, he's getting older, like, does he, and then he make a cut, and I'm like, oh yeah, he still got it, and I'm like, oh no, that was actually that was Alexander Madison, so that's good. <laughs> um, so so that that would be my thought. Like I, you know, I'm not gonna say that he's gonna win you a league, and I don't even know if he finishes top ten. Um, like I don't think he's a one for one Dalvin Cook replacement, but as a fan, uh, let me first that. I don't think I think he's a one for one Dalvin Cook replacement at the current Dalvin Cook stage. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't think that he was. He, if we're talking about three or four years ago, Dalvin Cook, it's not the same guy. But for the Vikings, like I don't think we're losing anything um, in this in this trade off. So as That's a fair. as a fantasy option, I would say he's a. He's definitely a good like second run. If you have a strong starter and you want to like, um, you you want to bolster up your receiver or your tight end and then wait a little bit and use Madison as a late round keeper, I think that's a pretty good strategy. Yeah, I figured a uh, tenth round pick is not going to hurt me keeping yeah. him, but I just like you know, can I rely on him? Can I maybe not take a running back? It's a two quarterback league. Can I not take a running back? At, I'm picking third because I really sucked yeah. last year. Um, can I not take okay. a running back at three because I'm going to have like a strong RB two in, in Madison. So it's like, that's yeah. the, that's the hard part to try and calculate that. Well, and running backs, I think are so temperamental. Like there's yeah. four or five. And if you're in a keeper league, they're probably already off. They're probably not even going to be available for you to grab anyways. And so at that point, it's a shot in the dark. There's so many running backs by committees. There's so many weeks where, um, they go run heavy one week, and then the next week it's all passing. Like it's such a hit or miss position now that unless you have Eckler, Chubb, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, I would, I would have said Jonathan Taylor, but even like he last year was a bit of a bust. Yeah. So like unless you have a like a certified stud like that, hmm. like I feel like you you're better positioned. I mean, a running back on their best day is going to get you twenty five points. Yeah, thirty points. A quarterback on a bad day is going to get you 25 points. So if you can get two really strong quarterbacks that gets you 40 points a game, you know, if your running back gets you 10, you yeah. kind of equal, equal yourself out there. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's why I messed up in the draft last year. Took two quarterbacks back to back and one, one great Jalen Hurts and the other one, Tom Brady did not. So. Yeah. I feel like everybody in our draft in our, in our league, nobody walked away from their draft happy. Because I feel like everyone just kind of fell in a weird spot. Like, yeah. Kind of in between picks or guys you're like, oh, I don't really know. You're looking at you, Russell Wilson, biggest fan. Or who was it? Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> who was that? Took Joe Burrow and some, somebody else back to back in our league. Oh, I don't remember. But like two quarterbacks back to back. We're a one quarterback league. Like, no, doing? no. That was, uh, that was Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. No, no, this was in a league I'm in with with Q and Tom. Someone oh, did that in another league I was friends. in too. <laughs> they're here, I was you're with a, them now. They're not my other friends. They're your friends too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah another had, single quarterback league. So it we seems had, to be happening more and more. We had it three years ago. Who was it? Was three years ago? It was Brylo? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Back Lamar. to back, he took he. I think he had the the ten eleven turn. He had the last pick in the draft, 
our last pick in the first round, and he ended up going Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, um, and just kind of like screwed the league. And and his whole intent was to trade one of them to never uh, did, never, never did, and now he's not yes. in the league. Yeah, and then and then he immediately left the league. He didn't finish the season, and then immediately <laughs> left the league. So he's in witness protection now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's our league too. Our league is like we can do as many mock drafts as you want. Mm-hmm. We always have some goofball who ends up doing something so strange in like the first. 18 picks and then you know you can prepare for hundreds of different variations of what possibly could happen and then you get some you know some and then you get gino taking justin tucker in like the sixth round or you get gino <laughs> taking justin herbert in like the second round yeah 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 Se- second round second pick justin herbert Last so year. ahead of ahead of saquon barkley tyree kill keenan allen uh mike evans even even at even with the quarterbacks, at that point the only Mahomes, quarterback he took him ahead of Mahomes too. Yeah, the only quarterback that was off the lead off the board at that point was Josh Allen. So he took Herbert over Mahomes. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson. It's, yeah, it's a bold strategy. Your, your, your boy was out here fighting for his fucking life. <laughs> He's <laughs> so, desperate. To I be mean, fair, I'm a I'm a wait on quarterback type of guy. I don't know how you yeah. guys are. See, the, the problem is our league is once someone takes a quarterback. Everyone freaks the fuck out, and then everyone starts taking quarterbacks because yeah, you start stress picking. Okay, so yeah, what round? Left. What is the earliest you would draft Justin Tucker? I'm asking Tom and Q. Justin, Justin Tucker, the kicker, yes. a kicker, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any kicker. the earliest kickers last the last round or the second second okay, the last earliest round. like 16 rounds the earliest you would do. I mean, if you're telling me like if you're giving me a guy that like year to year can. Like, because there there are some kickers that like Adam Vinatieri, greatest kicker of all time. Adam Vinatieri. Right. What's in his the prime, earliest you take? You what's the earliest you take Vinatieri? It was sixteen rounds. I would probably say maybe twelve or thirteen. Yeah, a normal, <laughs> a normal pick to take him. Round yeah. eight, pick two. <laughs> your boy um, ahead of your boy thought Jaylen he was Hurts. picking somebody else. He thought he was picking somebody else. No, no, to no, 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 this exactly. was intentional. <laughs> this is well, Justin Tuck, right? The Giants' defensive end, right? Because he also <laughs> took two kickers. He took two kickers that draft. If I'm not mistaken, well, he took Justin Tucker early, and then he got another one late. Did, is he just is he throwing your league? Like, well, he finished higher than here. he finished higher than Kiefer, so he knows something yeah. that Kiefer doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that might be the draft philosophy. Now. There is nothing worse than when someone drafts like shit and then beat you. And out. if I could throw yeah. a plug for our podcast, yeah, Paul Zerati made that plug, But we did a draft. We'll probably do it again this year. We did a live draft pod, or the three of us, like we drafted together, but we also reacted to everyone's picks, and it was amazing. Uh, oh yeah. No, we're definitely doing that again this year because that was that was fun. That was that was a good one. So uh one last question before we wrap up here. Um we were talking about just generally stupid picks and bad picks, but of all of the fantasy leagues that have you've been in, what is the worst first pick you've ever had? Like it doesn't I'm not talking about like a guy who got hurt, but like one that was like you believed the hype and you saw this guy and you're like, I have to take him. <sighs> I have a good one. I got I got a spicy one that people are okay, like, Tom, well, you since, should never play this game again. <laughs> since you since you since you ruled out injuries, I will just share. Oh. Um, I took Tom Brady first round um in 08, mm-hmm. um, coming off of his record breaking season, and then he got hurt week one. Um, but I have a I have another one after that, but I'll let everyone else go. 
Well, so mine is injury based. So, but it's it was a error in decision making on my part that ultimately is why this is. You were pissed drunk, weren't you? Twenty seventeen, hammered. I am in three leagues. I get first pick in two leagues and second pick in the other one. So I'm like, I'm picking high at this point. I go with David Johnson coming off of that insane season, total twenty total touchdowns. I pick him in first, first uh, with the first pick in those two leagues. And then I'm like, I'm going to take Le'Veon Bell at number <laughs> two in this other league. I'm actually happy. I'm going to split it up a little bit. The guy in front of me takes Le'Veon Bell. So I take David Johnson in all three leagues. And that was the season. He had 11 carries, and then he was done for the season. Fuck. <laughs> that is miserable. Yeah, it was arguably the, the worst year. I almost quit doing fantasy all together after that season. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely, would definitely quit. <laughs> Never do that ever again. Yeah, don't don't pair guys like just don't do it. High picks, don't do it. It's the worst. Yeah. So mine was it's the 2007 season, and I'm buying into the hype on this guy. He had a pretty decent, pretty decent rookie year considering the team that he played for. But everybody was saying like you need to get in with this dude because he is going to blow up like crazy. Um, I picked Joseph a die with my first pick. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Terrible. Oh. Absolutely fucking awful. Is that after Edron James left? Yeah. So okay. 2006 with his rookie year, he did a thousand yards, 4.8 yards per mm-hmm. carry, seven touchdowns. His second year is the year I drafted him and, um, a thousand touchdown, a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns, which is pretty good, but it didn't fucking right. feel that way because <laughs> it was just a complete fucking shit show. And I compounded that by also drafting absolute shit because I was like, Jamarcus Russell might be good too, <laughs> and I picked that fucker up as well. <laughs> so. Um, the vibes were off for the 2007-2008 NFL season. <laughs> the vibes were not vibing. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It was a long, very cold year. Yeah. All right, well, so I'll go ahead and go then. Um, mine was no Sean Moreno. Um, it, was, it was after his 2009 season, which he, he started off pretty solid. You know, he had like almost 1,000 yards, I think like seven touchdowns or so. And I was like, oh, man, he is just going to – he's going to pop off for the Broncos. Um, you know, Broncos have always, almost always have a pretty strong run game, pretty much no matter what. Like they turned um, uh, Tatum Bell into a thousand yard rusher. You guys probably don't even remember Tatum Bell. Our average fan has probably never even heard of Tatum Bell, but um, like they just, they always have good running backs. And so 2010, I took him, I think, I think it might've been first pick of the second round. So it might've been like, like 13 or 14. So not exactly a first round pick, but I was very high on Moreno and he didn't, he wasn't hurt that much. He played 13 games, but he had like, I want to say it was like less than 900 yards and then he might've had like five touchdowns. And that was my, that was my one. And I was just like, this is disgusting. Who was that running back that they, I think it was out of Wisconsin. They drafted really high and Monty ball. Monty Monty ball. Ball. Yes. That was another one that screwed me pretty hard. Yeah. And he was a, um, I think he was a guy who 
was breaking like the touchdown record, the NCAA touchdown yeah. record for running back. And then he went into the NFL and he was just not good. Nope. He spent, he spent two years in the NFL, by the way, just two seasons. Oh, wow. 13 yeah. and 14. Uh, between the two years total, 730 yards, five touchdowns. I think he was just a guy that just got used up in college. And then when he got to the NFL, he was just I think very it's just, much. I think it's just a Wisconsin problem. They yeah. have an yeah. offense that heavily favors running backs. And then when you don't have like an uber elite offensive line who also runs the ball 46 times a game, then you don't have much. Melvin Gordon is might be the one exception to the rule, but even Melvin Gordon fam- flamed out pretty quick. So. Yeah. True. Yeah. I feel like I drafted Trent Richardson pretty high at one point. Oh boy! <laughs> I think, I think, yeah. I think that My man like... made it his mission in life to miss every open hole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had the I had the season before that I had drafted um, Cam Newton, um, RG three, Trent Richardson, um, a, a couple of. I went. I had one loss the whole season. I was just. And it was the first week I picked. Cam Newton over RG3, and Cam got like two more points, and I lost by like a point. And so the next season, I was super high on Trent Richardson, and yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't go well for me. But yeah, it's not my his worst. rookie year wasn't bad. Almost a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns. I think a lot of people were high on him after that first year. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the one. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Who was the um? Who was the Alabama running back that got drafted by the Packers and had like one good year and then? Oh. Found Eddie, the, Eddie Lacy. Yeah, he found the buffet. Eddie. He found the buffet line yep. way Eddie too Lacy. Late. Cheeseburger Eddie. <laughs> you should you should have known the man. He you should have known he was cooked when an actual NFL team put a weight clause into his contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like like if you're an NFL franchise and you have to put a weight clause into a contract for a guy, you probably just shouldn't spend the money on him. Eddie, so think you about are required to have a My Fitness Pal profile. <laughs> <laughs> Think about young. Think about young Philly, right? Uh, 14, 15 year old Philly. We're talking about you. Yes. All right. So fifteen year old Philly. So like twenty five years ago. Okay. <laughs> Did I hurt you? <laughs> is there something you need to tell? Would we need to talk about something, guys, listeners? Philly is not forty. He's 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 thirty nine. He's a handsome and robust thirty eight. <laughs> That's also not true. Um, uh, so, um, 15 year old Philly is obsessed with Madden 2004. Hmm. Sure. Mike, I think I know where this is going. That's one should. Okay. Uh, or a two, yeah, 2004. Whatever the season. Two. I don't, 2004 was why well, I played every. Se- I would play every single year, so it didn't really matter. But the point is, is the 2004 season is what was depicted in the game. The Madden years always throw me off. I am a Vikings fan, obviously. So, what is my favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do is to line up. Dante Culpepper's under center. I look over at Randy Moss. I see Randy Moss in press coverage. I send him on a fly route. I throw a. 80 million yard bomb because Dante Culpepper had an absolute cannon to Randy Moss and I score like 75 points a game. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> so the next year fantasy season rolls around. Randy oh, Moss unfortunately has no. been traded to the Raiders. Oh no. But I am 
pick eight in an eight-man league. So I, I'm and a snake. So I'm you know getting the loop here. So one eight, I take Randy Moss. Two one, Dante Culpepper, and I am ready to just dominate this league. <laughs> dominate this league. <laughs> Randy Moss, ass, ass. Dante Culpepper blew his knee apart into like four thousand small pieces, uh, and basically never was the same again. And it was the worst. It was it was not good. So uh, that that is the worst because I was like they were out of my control, but like I was as a little bit of fandom creeping in. The other one that was really bad, it was kind of out of my control. I also kind of probably should have known better. Is I had the number one overall pick in twenty eighteen. And I took Le'Veon Bell, thinking <laughs> there's no way he holds out for the whole season. <laughs> but guess what he did? <laughs> it's like my dumbass took Le'Veon Bell the next year when he played for the Jets. And probably would have been better if he sat so, out. So one 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 that year, my one one was the guy that literally didn't play a snap of football the entire year. On his own on his own whim. I got on his own accord. He's like, ah, good. What was uh, rap one, one other injury related I did have was uh, I think it was the 2015 season where Jordy Nelson, um, we had a very late fantasy draft in one of the leagues that I was in and Jordy Nelson tore his ACL in camp. And I didn't know that. <laughs> and so I took Jordy Nelson. I think, I think I took him in the first round or maybe, no. maybe it was the second round. Doc, you and, didn't see the little flashing light next to his name. <laughs> so I was, I was a traveling consultant at the time. And so I was always like in and out of airports at new campuses. And I just did not hear about the Jordy Nelson injury. And as soon as I picked him, everyone in my league texted me and was like, you're a fucking idiot. It's like, <laughs> why? What happened? And it said, pull up Google right now and look up Jordy Nelson. And then boom, ACL tear. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Picture um, of them amputating his leg on the field. <laughs> another, another funny one. Another funny one that I had just this past season so in our league, I, I was I, I was I was very very high on Travis Etienne, um, and I was in two leagues. In our league, Philly got Etienne before I could, and that's why I took Cam Akers. In my other league, <laughs> I got I was trying to get Cam Akers, and something <laughs> happened during my draft where I filtered out the Jaguars running backs, and I took I, I don't even remember the guy's name. It was like Coffee something, <laughs> um, and I I took n- not Travis Etienne. I had the ability to trade Travis Etienne, but I took not Travis Etienne um, with my third round pick in that in that league. I ended up still losing the title game in that league, um, recovering from the Etienne blunder. But uh, but that was that was really bad. I accidentally picked the wrong Jaguars running back. <laughs> Fucking hell, man! I have to look up the guy's name because I, when I saw it, I was like, "Who even is that guy? Is he like on the roster?" He's probably a real estate agent now in the greater Jacksonville area. Most likely. That would be my best guess, to be honest with you. Friday, I saw you racking your brain over there about your worst pick. Um, what do you got so far? Oh, geez. What did I – oh, I, I mean, I picked Trent Richardson. That was, that was pretty bad. Um... Snoop Connor, by the way, was the guy <laughs> wired running back. Snoop Connor? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Tom. Exactly. <laughs> I took Snoop Connor with my third round pick. Snoop away. Connor? That's a mad that's a Madden creative player, right? Yep, that is most definitely on Madden. That is not an actual face 
on his roster. It's just that animated caricature. Um, yeah, that's B. John funny. Robinson's fake NCAA name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our RB two from Westlake, Texas. You know, <laughs> that is the guy from like NFL Blitz, but like the storyline mode that you have to play. You know, that, that was the one, and I was like, oh man, I didn't mean to do that. Here we are. What you got? Yeah, I think I think Trent Richardson was pretty bad, and I also I was also the idiot who took. Uh, I was just like Philly. I took Le'Veon Bell, and I was like, "There's no way." And then yeah, he sat out, and then I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna be sneaky and pick him up next year when he's with the Jets." And it was about about the same production, to be completely honest. Um, <laughs> It might have been better if he didn't play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, I, I, I uh, historically draft, uh, draft pretty well um, in terms of first-round picks. I mean, I've gotten unlucky with injuries, but uh, historically I'm pretty good. I mean, there's some that you could see. Like, I think I feel like C.J. Spiller was kind of a bust at, in some of those years that, that he was projected pretty high. There's a handful you could go back and look at. But, yeah, definitely yeah, Trent Richardson was uh, – was uh, not a good look for me. Yeah, he ruined a lot of Christmases for people. Well, <laughs> he's he's still doing that. Uh, he's from he Pen- ruined a lot of Christmases for himself. He's too. uh he's <laughs> from, he's from he's from Pensacola. So uh, the I mean the three of us went to school in Pensacola, and uh, I mean people would still run into him in Pensacola, like when you know he was there in the off season or well when he was not playing football anymore. I mean there was an article he got in a fight at the Walmart that we used to shop at, like you know there. All sorts of stuff. So, just uh, just Florida things. Do, do we have time? I have a, a Trent Richardson high school story. If we have time, if not, I can we can I can just tell you, you guys can. later. No, we always have time for high school stories. So Trent Richardson um, is the product of Escambia High School in Escambia County, Florida, um, where we went to college. <laughs> um, he Escambia High School is also in the same division as my high school, which was six A or four A, excuse me, in Florida. Um, we did not play Escambia in football, but we did go against them in weightlifting. And uh, Trent Richardson is a monster, an actual monster. Um, so Trent Richardson and I both weightlifted in the 219 weight class, and I would always cut weight after football season so that I didn't have to lift with heavy weights because I, I was like 230 pounds at the time, but in, in Florida it was like anything over 227 was considered heavyweight. So I'm lifting with guys who like, are like 400 pounds and can bench like 600 pounds. Um, so I'd cut weight and I'd go into 219 with Trent Richardson. And uh, my senior year, or excuse me, my junior year, his senior year, um, we were weightlifting against each other in states. He won our weight class by like 300 points. He paused like 425 pounds. He clean and jerked like 385 pounds. And I, I, I considered myself to be pretty strong back then. I was like, I think I could, I think I could pause like 300 and I could clean and jerk like 265, something like that. And yeah, he just absolutely destroyed us. He destroyed everybody. The next closest second place was like a good 200 points behind him. Jesus. And I was like, it was then I was like, I'm a, I'm a Trent Richardson truther. By then he was already committed to Alabama. Um, and then his true freshman year, he had like 700, 800 yards on the national title team. And then the next two years, he just 
gave college football the business. And I was like, this is, this is going to be the greatest running back of all time. We're like, we're witnessing Walter Payton reincarnated. <laughs> um, and so I was a Trent Richardson truther after he kicked my ass in weightlifting and state weightlifting in 2000, 2009. So that's my Trent Richardson story. Yeah. But at least you can walk in a straight line and he can't. Yeah. He, um, <laughs> he benched, I looked it up. He benched uh, 380 clean and jerk 325. Yeah. For a total of 705. Second place was a guy named Brooke Peters from Sarasota High who benched 355 and cleaned 330 for a total of 685. So beat him by 20 points. Oh, okay. It wasn't as big as I remember, but maybe it was it was certainly bigger than me. <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, still crazy. Coming out of coming out of high school is 5'11, 225 pounds, and you are a absolute fucking unit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but was he squatting 600 pounds like Jalen Hurts? And that, and Q will know because that's the only thing that commentators like to talk about about Jalen that he squats 600 pounds. Don't forget it, fellas. P- pretty impressive for a guy his size, though. Yeah, I mean, he can carry all the groceries into the house now. <laughs> one trip, yeah, one he's trip, a one tripper, one, yeah. trip, one trip guy. He's yeah. a one trip for sure. Same. All right, guys. Well, before we wrap up and do assholes and picks of the week. You want to just take like a, a few seconds and plug your show, let people know where they can find you and when you guys record. Super producer Philly, you wanna you wanna do it? Yeah. Um, you can find us on all platforms that carry podcasts. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Amazon. Amazon. Rumble. We are we even on Amazon. Um, we like to cater to the people. Uh, really, we just wanted to be on Spotify. And Apple Music, but uh, but Barl, uh, just and Barl form bullied us, bullied us into getting on Google, and and we caved, and and then not only bullied us, we got to Google, and then once we got to Google, he was like, "Hey, actually, um, I really mostly am on YouTube. Could y'all just do it on YouTube instead?" So we're on all the platforms. Um, we <laughs> it's uh, friends and low expectations. Um, it's a Friday Night Lights esque um, picture. If you're looking for the the picture um, on your a podcast platform of choice, we record um, well TBD for the season, but typically Tuesday nights uh, with the release on Wednesday um, during the season. And then, um, as Friday said earlier, we record in the off season about once a month. Um, typically, we do a kind of post season wrap up. Um, occurs after the playoffs, after the Super Bowl, with a little bit of a draft preview. Then we'll do an actual mock draft, um, typically a fantasy mock draft slash preview for the season. And then again, last year we did a actual draft, a live draft watch uh, reaction um, as we were drafting and, and then reacting to the the drafts of the guys in the league. So um, if you're if you're interested in, in uh, listening, we have an episode in the uh, second season. Um, that is a meet the fellas episode. Um, and it gives you an idea of who everyone is in the league, uh, what their names are, their nicknames. We go by a bunch of different names and our team names change and stuff. And so we, we kind of built that episode for you to be able to track along from the beginning and kind of know who folks are. So if you wanted to go back and listen to the old episodes, you could, um, but if you want to get ready for the new season and know who the guys are, you can listen to that. Um, and again, we're really focused on our, on our group, but this is, we made it for the fellas. And so, it, it tracks through our league, but uh, I think it's still a fun uh, listen for anyone that's that's interested in fantasy football because we talk about our picks and our 
our plays that didn't work and our sleepers for the week and waiver wire ads. And we also talk about, um, you know, who got their ass kicked and we make fun of people. And um, we talk to each other about like what our, uh, if we were uh, stuck on a stranded island, uh, stranded on an island together, like who would we bring for, you know, what purpose? Who would be my beer guy, be keeper? Um, So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, And we'd we'd love to have some, uh, some fresh faces. Cool. All right. Thank you, Philly. On that note, let's move to assholes of the week. So um, this is our favorite um, segment here where we talk about people who've done some dumb shit over the last week or so. Um, Friday, we're going to get you booted up first, and then we'll just bop around. Sweet. Um, Yeah, I have a good one for this. Uh, um, So as as many of the listeners probably won't know, but as Keith and Philly will know. I have a lot of obscure um, hobbies. Um, yes. One of my one of my my new passion projects is I've gotten involved in uh, fake college baseball, uh, which is basically um, it's like all numbers based. But you're in a like a you're in a college baseball team. Uh, you pitch and uh, hit based on number projection between one and a thousand. So you pick a number anywhere between there. The opposing player picks a number anywhere between there. And depending on how close you are to said number determines the outcome of, of the hit, right? If you hit it or strike out, whatever. Um, so my asshole of the week is the team we played this week, which is the University of Cork in Ireland. Just a bunch of <laughs> bastards. You have 12 hours to swing, and these motherfuckers took 12 hours for all of their swings. So we didn't even get to finish the game. They just iced us out because we took 12 hours for every single swing. So if you're listening to this... Fake college baseball, University of Cork, Ireland. You're my asshole of the week because I didn't even get to fucking do anything because I just spent my entire time waiting. So, that's Jesus. So I'm trying to take that all in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, my, man, my man is fucking aggrieved. This right is now. unbelievably specific. <laughs> it's when, on brand. It's when, on I, brand. when I was like, texting Friday history. about this and I said we didn't have assholes and picks of the week and he was like oh i've got a good one <laughs> this is good we didn't realize just how good we didn't realize how good and when and I, he said keith and i are aware of uh not only does does friday have um uh an, uh, an eclectic personality and an eclectic interest in things but it's it's he does a lot of stuff so like i don't know how he has time for this fake college baseball because he's also into like a thousand other things. So my mind is uh, blown, not so much by the, I am, I am, uh, I am am getting scouted right now to go to the pros for, Oh, so (laughs) pro fake baseball player, pro fake baseball player. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. If you guys are interested, I can send you the, there's a, it's a community on, uh, it's on a, it's on Reddit. So you can follow along like the game posts automatically by there's like, I would, I would love to, to follow this and cheer on my boy in the comment section bro my yeah. first at my first at bat two outs bottom of the six of the last inning i hit a fucking dinger to send it to extra innings so nice like my man just bringing dongs these these yeah these this this team we were playing harvard that week and they thought they could fucking meme me they pitched 69 like a bunch of boners nerds <laughs> at harvard yeah my ass <laughs> dinger <laughs> what team do you play for uh, we're the Vols, Tennessee. Oh, okay. All right. What's well, the, we have our, our hashtag is 
what is it? W, I don't know. It's whatever the clip is. Uh, we gonna whoop their fucking ass. It's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, if you send us the link, we will put that in the comments section on the YouTube and. The I'd, I'd like to watch, I'd, and yeah, we'll also drop that into the show notes as well. Yeah, um, by all means, get in, that, get into the fake college baseball. It's fun. That is on a whole ass other level of we could, I'm telling you, you guys could do a whole, whole segment on my hobbies it's uh well this is awkward because mine also is the university of cork island good bunch of fucking bats it sounds like we got our pick we've already got two nominees for the university of cork um i think we should just make it like a unanimous thing honestly yeah i'm gonna stick with the college baseball if it's cool for me to go tom yeah and um i this is not of the the week because uh, it's other week because I found out this week. <laughs> so this happened a long time ago. But I just found out this week, and maybe I'm living under a rock. Maybe this just got really slipped under the rug. I don't know. But do y'all know the story about Florida's baseball coach? No. I just saw this today, too. I saw it today because of you. You're welcome. Okay, so Florida's baseball coach, like two or three years ago, or 2020, 2021, it was really recent was sleeping with a bat boy's mom love it okay typical you know athletics affairs you, you could be a forgot forgiven if you thought the story ends here the dad of the bat boy finds out about this affair and murder suicides um one of his out of the bat boy or another child and himself and then sets their house on fire after Wait. he finds out about this affair. Then Bat Boy's mom marries the coach. He is currently <laughs> married. Florida's coach that was being interviewed like some you know savior of Florida's baseball program last night on the College World Series. He's married to that lady. <laughs> Who seems I, completely irrational. I just. Uh, this is a uh, very cool, very legal relationship. Yes, very cool, very <laughs> legal. And I just don't know how. No one knows about this. It's like something. It's like, it, it's like a a fictional novel. What you would write, like that you would think never would think would happen. It's crazy. So that guy is my asshole of the week. So the coach of the University of Florida baseball team had an affair with a woman. And the woman's husband found out, murdered their son, killed himself, and then burned their house down. And she's like, oh, no, so sad. But I'm single now. <laughs> yeah. Am I tracking this properly? Good thing yeah. I've already found some pipe. <laughs> yeah, shit, he gave me that good bit, so. <laughs> This dick over here, though? Yeah. There it's like that, that scene from Austin Powers. He just got married. I, um, he found out his wife's a fembot. And he's like, that means I'm single again. <laughs> I'm going to um, I'm gonna copy this link. And I'm going to put it in the Second Mouse Pod Discord. If you haven't joined the Discord, join it. Get pilled. Um, and so you can see it for yourself. And um, yeah. Absolutely unfucking real Wow. All right. I'm going to have to watch that later. Um, 
Keith, I hope you got somebody good. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't, honestly. Um, it's certainly not anywhere near as good as Florida's baseball coach. Um, but sticking with the theme of college baseball, I'm very upset about this. Um, so Miami's my, for those of you who don't know, Miami has, has a very historic, very good baseball program. Um, they hold the NCAA record for most consecutive, um, college world series appearances. Um, they are a four-time national champion. Um, very, very good, very historic baseball program. Um, our coach resigned at the end of this season after another exit in the super regionals. And um, our athletic director recently completed their search for the new baseball coach. And he took, you know, a month, month and a half to land on an internal hire after failing to pull Duke's head coach away from Duke. Um, so my asshole of the week is Dan Radikovich, athletic director for the University of Miami, for treating Miami's very historic, very proud baseball program like a mom and pop shop. And just hiring a guy from within, who, for the record, is is a UM legend himself. He was on Miami's last national championship team. Um, he's a fine coach, but he's an internal hire from objectively the worst era of Hurricanes baseball. Mm. Um, has you know has not seen a whole lot of winning. Was a part of the coaching staff responsible for ending the NCAA tournament streak. Um, how you do a national search? Fail to pull a guy away from Duke. Um, and then land on a guy who's already been here for the last 20 years. Um, raging asshole. I uh, do not know that I can forgive Dan for that one. So nowhere near as good as uh, Philly's pick, but that's one that's grinded my gears since the announcement. So here we are. Yeah. It's it, the, the fandom ones hit home the hardest. And, yeah. and frankly, those are the ones that I get the most upset about whenever I choose an asshole of the week. But um, for me, my asshole of the week is moving away from sports and moving into the influencer culture. So I don't know if you guys had seen that there was a series of influencers that were invited to China to tour a factory ran by this fast fashion company called Sheen. Um, they created some very, very glossy PR like videos and things like that. And these influencers ate it the fuck up. Um, Sheen is one of the worst fast fashion companies in the world. They create like 6.3 million tons of just oil waste a year. Um, and the thing that like, there is no ethical consumption of like clothing or consumerism in capitalism. I get that. But the lengths that these influencers were willing to go to try to just toe the party line of like, no, they're trying to be a progressive company. They're trying to do things like y'all went to a sweatshop and they <laughs> said, like, kids, don't come in today. I mean, there is rec there is like people who've worked in these factories that there's no windows in these places. There's no safety exits. There's bars on the windows that are there. There are people that have had to work like. 75 hour shifts and seeing some of the responses from these influencers after they're getting dragged on social media is like, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. And it's like, <laughs> I get that, you know, you don't make a lot of money. You're kind of new at this. You don't have a huge fan base, but you can't just take the bag from fucking anybody and then be <laughs> upset that you got got. So 
Uh, I don't know if if you've all followed that, but they are getting absolutely tanked on the internet right now. And the one was basically just like reading the like codes of conduct for, and it's like it's just all legal mumbo jumbo that doesn't really mean anything. And it's right, like, yeah. and we're committed to making sure that we do the best for our customers and our employees. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, does that mean that they're not allowed to die in the building, or what is yeah, that? Exactly, and, <laughs> never allowed to leave. And I think that same person um, also went back online and just like told everybody that they're fucking stupid and they need to grow up. And it's like, ma'am, you just like you say you don't make any money, but like, who flew you there? Who put you in a hotel? Who mm-hmm. gave you all these meals? Like, you got paid. So. The influencers that went to the Sheen factory and basically got bamboozled and never apparently read any part of the book, The Jungle. Congratulations. You're my assholes of the week. I hope you love the handbags they gave you and we never see you again. Q, what you got? I'm going to switch it up and go with Hero. And uh, it's Emma Vigeland of uh, Hell yeah. Majority Report. Uh, went on Tim Pool's show and braved the compound, and he he pretty much just melted down the entire hour, um, just crying the entire time. Uh, he has since called her a pedophile. Um, <laughs> that's how badly that's how badly he got to her because he she didn't stay and eat sushi and uh, and look at go his, to the his skate park. park. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it's it's an interesting watch for an hour because he just gets very angry the entire time at every little thing, and uh, she she remains pretty calm. But it's like it, it's a it takes some balls to go on go on that type of show because you know that it's going to be stacked against you, and um, she did a really good job. Who was the other guy that was on there too? Because I think some fucking right wing YouTuber. I don't know. I don't. I don't. He was. He was ridiculous. The, the funny thing is, though, is that he ended up agreeing with Emma more than. Tim. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. <laughs> they end up finding more common ground. It's just so funny to me because, like, the Tim Pool, like, is like basically saying the entire time, like, I never said that. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, bro, there's literally like you said it a million times. <laughs> like, there are videos. Like, you can like you could. I, I want somebody to make a reaction video pretty much like showing him saying like, I never said that. And then just playing it right after the million times he said it. Uh, Another person just being absolutely cooked on the internet right now. And he's melting down pretty hard. I still don't understand how it can be 90 degrees in Virginia. And you're still wearing a fucking beanie, a black (laughs) beanie. Like you've ever seen as a, listen, as a bald man, listen, as a bald man, I get it. Head shape can make or break you, but like, if you've ever seen one under under Tim Beanie, I think you'd understand. I think it's just an actual just brain. <laughs> There's no skull. It's just no no skull, no skin, just brain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, boys, let's move on to picks of the week. So um, we're going to snake back around and Q, we're going to go with you first and then we'll go Friday, Keith, Philly, then me. I'm actually enjoying the new season of Black Mirror. Um, I'm not, I've never been the biggest fan of that show. I recently watched the one with Aaron Paul um, mm-hmm. and Josh Hartnett, and I really enjoyed it. It's a pretty good concept, and it's actually like it was feature length. It was like an hour and a half long. <laughs> interesting. Um, really, really interesting stuff. And uh, the few episodes that I've seen so far have actually been really entertaining. Uh, first episode, The first one is really kind of like a mind fuck. It's not as dark as a lot of them have been, uh, but I definitely recommend give it a watch. Very nice. Friday, what you got? 
Uh, my pick of the week is <laughs> sticking with the theme of myself. Uh, I'm going to go with Wind, Wind Rose. They're a dwarf metal band. <laughs> if you've never Sick. heard of <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's dwarf metal. It's badass. I have questions. <laughs> this this man, this man, what was this like two, three weeks ago now? He sends me this. He goes, Yo, this kind of hits. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to test the water. <laughs> it does it though. I definitely didn't give him the response he was looking for, but he was like, Oh, well, I like it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even keep didn't even try though. But yeah. It goes hard. You guys rocking with this? No? No? (laughs) Yo, like, uh, check out the vibes. Let me know what you think. (laughs) Are they touring? Are they touring? They they just toured. They were just in uh, Greensboro. uh, Just where they're going to be in Greensboro uh, in the coming coming weeks. Um, Shit. Yeah, they're they're pretty big in the dwarf metal scene. They're pretty big in the dwarf metal scene, huh? Words I never thought I would hear. (laughs) Well... I'm telling you, you're missing out if you're not listening. I'm, to I'm enlightened. That, or if you want some, if some other ones would be good one, uh, Daikaiju, which is a surf, a Japanese surf rock band. They're pretty crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I need sometimes, you to give me recommendations of stuff every week. Sometimes, like, listen, if you, like, Sam could just say a bunch of words in a row. I just believe I, that I, it's I, true. I, w- I would assume it's true. Like Japanese surf rock band. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I, I just, I'd be like, all right, Sam. Last time I saw them, last time I saw Daikaiju perform, they got off the stage. Everyone in the audience got on the stage and then they continued the show from like the seating area. They're just unhinged. We took the, they took the show outside at the end. We were, they were outside in the street and they lit their van on fire. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, if you just look up Daikaiju, you're gonna see some shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is just at the show he was at too. This is I've seen him twice. Yeah, and both times so, they do crazy so shit like this. We've done this show for two hours and twelve minutes and fifty nine seconds, and this is the first time you're bringing this up. What? I mean, there wasn't a good time to bring it up. God damn it! <laughs> well, I think literally any time. <laughs> Talk about fantasy football. Hey guys, by the way, fantasy football. Fuck that for a second. Let me talk about Dai- Daikaiju. Yeah. So on the subject of Trent Richardson, y'all ever heard of Daikaiju? <laughs> yeah. We, dang. Oh man. We missed that. We missed that on Dwarf Metal. They they were in a. They performed on the seventh of June. Next time, Tom. We'll go next time. Yeah, next time. They'll always be next time. Um, Keith, I am so sorry for you having to go right after Friday again. Because I, I hope it's a bad. You know, uh, it's it's nowhere near as good as dwarf metal or daikaiju setting vans on fire. Um, I'm Would gonna get at that show Friday. Few things are. <laughs> Which one? Where they set the van on fire? Yeah, yeah. I have, I have videos. It's so calm, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Like, that, Where else? The crazy part is. Well, the crazy part is that like that wasn't even the craziest part of the show. What was? All right, fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, Keith. So, at one point, we they the guy they don't talk at all, so they just do a lot of pointing. <laughs> but, do they have lyrics? No, it's just it's like, come on, dude, it's Japanese surf rock. There's no lyrics. <laughs> I don't know what that is. 
You're right. What was? What were he's we like, thinking? Come on. How, he's how like, come we, on, man. How dare we not but, know? Yeah, right. So, so, come so, on. so the, the the guitarist is pointing at this chair. So we pick we pick up the chair. He gets on the chair and he's like, we're holding him up on the chair. People are spilling beer all over the place. I I'm holding the chair. I look up. The the guitarist starts making out with the bass player while I am elevating them in the air, like with this chair. And I, you know, I'm just. I can't let go because then I'm going to drop them, you know, but I'm just like flabbergasted that all of this is happening. And, uh, On top I mean, of you. are you, are you, are you positive that this wasn't just a fever dream after eating like Jack in the box or something? If, if I'd only seen them once, I, I'd, I'd probably believe that, but having actually seen them twice in person, Jesus, uh, where, yeah. where have you, where'd you watch these Japanese oh, surf rock, the diviest of bars. Uh, one time I saw them in Pensacola and then the other time in Indy. They was it Sluggos in Pensacola? Hmm? Was it Sluggos in Pensacola? No. It, it, like was, it was something else. It was another, like a divey music venue. I don't remember, but it was, yeah. They, uh, they're another fun one. If you get, like I said, if you guys want to get, get crazy, we'll go, we'll go to see some Daikaiju. You guys want to get real deep in the weeds? Yeah. I want to kind of get nuts. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. You do, you do some of these weird, I mean, like, I'd prefer not to be in the midst of it anymore because I already have bad hearing, and so I have to wear my earplugs. But um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun time. Uh, Fred, I feel like the the, the, the the noise is the least of your concerns at a um, music event where a van is set on fire. Well, it's a kaiju themed surf punk band from Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay, I did not. Uh, of all the curveballs that we've been throwing, Alabama here, being yeah. from Huntsville, Alabama, I was by not far the curviest of curveballs. Not anticipating Rocket City, Alabama. <laughs> They're on a world tour right now. That's pretty nuts. Didn't know wow. That. Yeah, they um their associated bands are Leica and the Cosmonauts, Instrumental mm. Surf, and the Merman. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah, probably tracks. fucking bangers too. Yeah, I mean it's kind of good. Like, kind of like, uh, I mean, if you like instrumental music, it's it's pretty good. Oh, and they wear masks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they wear casual. Look like Slipknot. Yeah, pretty nuts. The first picture of them is lighting shit on fire. So I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. This is um, one, of you good insa- one of the more insane things I've ever. I'm telling you guys, go down the rabbit hole. It's pretty fun. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, so I have one more question. How many people were at these shows? Bro, it's packed. Like, you, there's no, like, it's wall to wall. Like, you can't, you can't move. It's, uh, you're, you're literally crammed in there like a sardine. Both times I've went, it's been, like, absolutely slammed. It's crazy. Wow. I'm out of breath thinking about this. <laughs> I know my blood pressure is through the fucking roof right now. Okay, okay. Sorry, one more before we move on. They have a song called Cock Lobster. That's a pretty good one. (laughs) (laughs) Not my favorite, but it's a good one. Not their best song, but oh my god. I'm having to reevaluate a lot of things right now in my life. <laughs> I've missed out on so much. You know, I've uh, and it's funny because a lot of these these experience, like especially with that kaiju, it was just like uh, I was trying to like expand, just kind of like 
you know, experience new things. And I had a friend who was like, not a normal friend that I would hang out with, but we had a few classes together and he invited me out to, he was performing uh, at the bar that night. He was in a band too. And he's like, you should stay for the show. And, uh, you know, I was going to pack up my stuff cause I was doing a docu, like a, a, like a news piece for it on his band for a class that I was in. And, uh, you know, I was like, I was trying to say more, say yes to new experiences. And I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like I'll stay and watch this band. And it's just been kind of kind of crazy, like, just the people I've met because of it or the things I've seen because of it, good or bad. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, sometimes saying yes to new experiences uh, can, like I said, like I, said I, I don't know. A lot, a lot of things can happen because of it. So if you had to guess cool. what the name of somebody in this band was not Friday, what would you guess? Probably something really. Just... You mean their real name or their stage name? Their stage name. Hmm. <clears throat> Fire pit. Uh, okay. Secret Man, Blast Man, Ultra Girl, and Pulse Man. Those are the current members. The four members are Ace Man, Jet Man, Batman, Crash Man, Hit Man, Smash Man, Rock Man, Dead Man, Beat Man, Shank Man, Abstract Man, Rumble Man, Electro Man, Multi Man, Necro Man. Wonder what he's into. Captain Canchu, <laughs> Tentacles, Tentacles X, I'm sorry. Uh, e, just the letter E. Mr. Nine. Brain Conflict, Dimaxian Lee. I really like Brain Conflict. Brain Conflict is a nice <laughs> one. That might be my favorite. I don't know. There might be something to this E guy. Yeah. <laughs> he seems to have it together. E from Entourage? Yeah. He, see, he seems the least unhinged of the bunch. <laughs> I am. Definitely would not invite, invite Necroman out for a night out. No, <laughs> no, no. No, um, no you're going to end up in a place that... The night's going to turn to be You don't keep him at arm's length. He's the, he's the wild the card. Evil, I've seen the Evil Dead movies. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely the wild card here. So I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, Keith. I just, I've had so many questions. No, honestly, no matter... There's nothing I can say that will even remotely follow up what Sam is just... The, the journey he's taken us on. Um, you're welcome. Yeah, um, my pick. Uh, I'll, I'll shout out. I'll shout out Philly here real quick. Um, he recommended Silo. Silo's been pretty darn good um, on Apple TV. Uh, I have a massive crush on Rebecca Ferguson, and she's the lead in it. Um, another show that I was that I've been watching. Um, thanks to Morgan, she's um, re, she just read a book um, called The Last Thing He Told Me, and they made a series on Apple TV. Um, and she convinced me to watch it with her. It's more kind of her her thing, but it was actually pretty good. Hmm. Um, Jennifer Garner is the lead. Andrew Reese Rice is uh, like plays uh, Jennifer Garner's daughter in the show. Um, Jamie Lannister, I don't remember his his actual name, um, but he's he's in it as well. Uh, really good, really interesting little suspense uh, thriller there um, that I was really surprised sucked me in the way it did. So if you're looking for a quick uh, quick show, it's only like six or seven episodes and only one season long, but it was pretty good. Very nice, love that. Uh, Philly, who you got? Um, I think I've, I think in a previous um, guest appearance, I've recommended this show, um, but uh, it just came out with the third season, so I've got a shout out. I think you should leave. Um, it is, it's so good, and it's incredibly rewatchable and memeable, um, and it's just. It's just incredible. So if you haven't watched it yet, watch it. You've probably seen a bunch of memes related to it, and you don't even realize that it's um, that it's that show. Um, but there's like a thousand Twitter accounts that uh, for like every different subsection of Twitter, 
there's a I think you should leave meme account for that and somehow this show that has six episodes each season says so 18 episodes and each episode's 15 minutes so there's I don't know the quick math on that like five or six hours of content total from this show over three seasons and somehow there's a meme for every situation you could possibly need a meme for um, from this show. It's uh, it's incredible. It's uh, it's one of my favorites. And um, season three, I was worried was going to let me down, and it did not let me down. It was uh, just as good as, as anything before. Um, so, and then I read a book. Um, it's a it was a novel, um, actually by by a pen name, and I don't remember the I don't remember what the pen name is uh, off the top of my head, but it's actually three or four writers together that wrote this book, this novel. It's called The Lemon. And it, mm-hmm. it's um, a satirical look at um, the way uh, entertainment society um, uh, takes in and chews up and spits out entertainment from a couple different angles. Basically follows this uh, really famous journalist, think like an Anthony Bourdain type that dies pretty suddenly. And there's a vacuum to, that he leaves and everyone kind of rushes to fill it from all different sides. And so it, Falls from different perspectives. It's a pretty short read, um, but it's uh, it's not really dense, so it's it's an easy read and it's fun um, and it's really relatable and uh, topical to what's happening today. So, um, if you're into reading and you you want a quick book, it's a it's a good choice. Very nice. I actually saw that book um, in your car. I think around the time Tyler was getting married too. Yeah, and it looked good. So. I'm looking for something to read also, so I might scoop that up. That's um, great. But I am going to piggyback on I Think You Should Leave because there's another Tim Robinson show that if you like I Think You Should Leave, you need to watch Detroiters. Detroiters is great. show is fucking hysterical. So Detroiters is awesome. Very much the same line of comedy as I Think You Should Leave, except it's more story-based. Sam Richardson in that is Hilarious. a fucking killer. <laughs> and the best way I saw somebody on Twitter describe what Detroiters is. They said it's Mad Men for people in the Midwest who are like mentally unstable. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <I tried. laughs> So Tim Robinson takes over his father's advertising company who went insane and they're like late night advertising goons. And it's just they're normal shenanigans with tim robinson and sam richardson it shows hysterical the only downside is is you have to pay for fucking paramount plus to see it which is super frustrating because there's nothing on paramount plus worth watching um but all the same get like a two-month account watch the two seasons and laugh your ass off it's it's totally worth it it's a funny fucking show um yeah detroiters real banger (laughs) love it q what you got Oh, I went Black Mirror. Oh, good. So we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's it for us, guys. I don't know if you have anything else. I don't know if you want to make fun of anybody. Now's your chance. Um, I I wanted to say, Joe, if you're listening, I love you. And um, you're an amazing fantasy football player and just a role model to so many. So just know that I love you so much, Joe. And Joe, Philly loves you. And please just love me back. Just cannot I not emphasize this enough, how much I love you and how much I did not roast you on today's show. 
Yes. We said make fun of people, not give heart to hearts. So <laughs> Joe's going to see this as a roast. I just want you I, to know. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Joe Burrow. Okay, that, that, that makes it less weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, so if I could, Joe Burrow, um, no, I love no, you. You're done. you're done here. <laughs> Why are you shouting out Joe Burrow? This is weird. <laughs> Huge fan of the show, by the way. Um, <laughs> that does it for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. I want to thank the guys from Friends and Low Expectations for jumping on with us and fucking around for the last two and a half hours. Guys, thank you for sticking with us and not wanting to call the police on any of us. Um, if you like what you're listening and seeing here, you can find us on YouTube and Twitch as well as all the major streaming platforms, um, Spotify, Apple, believe it or not, Google, um, and all the strange ones as well. You can also find us on Instagram and the Twitter.com machine that Elon runs now. Just search Second Mouse Podcast. But also, again, I'll emphasize this. Go and find um, the podcast for friends and low expectations on all those streaming platforms. But more importantly... Find your favorite Japanese surf punk band and enjoy them. <laughs> Thanks all again, and we will see you all next week. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow! <laughs>